When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, you're listening to Taco Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. And today's episode is our winter 2024 anime season first impressions part two. Or, again, I joke again, pretty much mid-season reviews because it's taken so long to get around to these. But, yes, a good chunk, 11-ish, 12-ish ep- uh, shows to go through in this particular episode. But had a great little kind of run through last week. Besides Banished from the Heroes Party, that's Chris's fault because he didn't have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. Hopefully he caught up on all these shows. We're gonna we're gonna go through the list and hopefully I can just hit some that he can talk about and we'll just we'll just talk about them. But as per usual, that we're at talkaspare.com where you can go for our links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us, Discord, ways to support us through Patreon, tips links, uh super thanks, all that good stuff. We greatly appreciate all the support. But without further ado, let's just jump right into it because we got a lot to go through. Uh Ishra, question mark? No. No, you're not going to watch it, or no, you never got to watch it? Never got to watch it. Are you going to watch it? Mm, mixed. <laughs> mixed. <laughs> Let's just do it. If he ends up watching it later on, he can talk about it. That, that's, the, I guess, the other thing that we can kind of go with with uh, all of these. But Ishra, because we're like at episode six. We're almost, we're, we're halfway through there. It's going to end here soon. I think it was actually one of the first ones to start airing, if I remember correctly. But that was a, a Hulu Disney show. So it's kind of out of the way. There's like five shows that are kind of out of the normal way that we typically get anime. So it's like, it's okay, that's over here. That's over here. We're going back to like the days of, you remember when we used to actually keep track of every show? And where they were? We had a, yeah, we had a like an actual breakdown on our website. We used to have like this little like, and it was uh, during the Prime, Amazon Prime days. Because we had like Amazon Prime. No, that have, was uh, about. Yeah. Anime have yeah. the Anime Network or whatever. Uh, Crunchyroll, Funimation. It was crazy. And they, it, it, I don't know if Netflix was during that time or not. Netflix was not. It, but uh, Amazon Prime was the worst because it was the double sub. The dreaded double sub. <laughs> but they got rid of it. But still, it was like, ugh, you had to have Prime. And then you had to have, what was it called? Um, Anime Strike. Because that's a great name for <laughs> a double networking kind of payment plan thing. Is that you want to have an Anime Strike so you don't, yeah, you're going to have a strike. Anyways, what was he getting into? Yeah, it's just there's like four different services right now that you can go to for anime. And it kind of sucks because there's shows like this where it's like, this is actually kind of good. And I kind of want people to watch it. But at the same time, it's hard to it's hard to justify another sub just for Ishra. <laughs> like, is that a good way to kind of I, I guess technically, I don't know. I think that's on Disney and Disney and Un- Undead Unluck. It's like two different platforms, I think. I, I forget, but. It's all going to one platform eventually, which is a good thing. But right now, it's kind of in that weird area. But anyways, yes, Ishra. Uh, this one is uh, done by Passione. This one takes place in a world where the Demon Lord has just been defeated. The self-proclaimed Demon Lord has been defeated. Mankind has been destroyed to just ruins. There's like one remaining kingdom left. And then there's this other kingdom that has like a it's a break off. Uh, one of the generals of the main kingdom, which is Arietia. Uh, one of the generals from them broke off and became independent with their country, uh, Lithia. And there's like this side story about how 
Mankind, the Demon Lord's defeated. Mankind looks to create a new hero. And so they're going to have a tournament to discover who the hero is going to be. I don't know why they need a hero. It's just they're going to, they can't find the actual hero that defeated the Demon Lord. So they're going to have a competition to assign a hero, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, the, this kingdom wants to do that competition, but they're afraid that this Lithia kingdom is going to attack them during that time. So there's like this war happening between the two, or at least there's, there's prodding and poking happening to the, the countries because our, um, our Yetia wants to figure out their defenses so that one day they can invade and take them out on the side of Lithia. They have like this one, um, white Wavern that's technically like leading a pack and they're pretty much their best defenses. Nobody can come there because these, these Waverns will just descend upon them and destroy them before they even get to the city. So, and yeah, you kind of have this sprinkle of the lore within this world, which they're getting into the idea that this world has visitors which are like into the instant death ability thing again. <laughs> this world has visitors and it's implying these visitors essentially are from different worlds. It seems pretty obvious from the first episode, that the Sanjiro, uh, Sojiro, um, he looks like he's obviously from like our modern times. Cause he has like a jacket on like a track suit. He's got the track suit thing going on. He's got a katana. Um, they reference that his ability is based off of this one clan in Japan, which is the idea of, can you take somebody's weapon and use it against them. And sure enough, that's what he does when he fights this big, massive golem, is that he makes the golem strike himself. Um, he also has the ability to essentially know where the target that he's fighting, where their weak point is. And that's and then he also has, like, the dullest... Uh, even despite the fact that he has a dull blade, he's able to cut through anything. So that's, like, his speciality. And they kind of do the same thing for all the characters of the story, which I'm not quite sure which ones are isekais and which ones are not, but you get into... Uh, Dakai, the magpie, he seems like he's an Isekai. He has the ability to, like, precision sight. Like, he knows how to... He's, like, got, you know, marksmanship. Uh, he knows where everybody's at. He's, he's got, like, infrared view so he can see through walls and stuff like that. Um, and then you have, like, Star Runner. He's this three-armed Wavern that seeks to dive into any dungeon. Um, he's able to use any weapon that he wields. So he's, he has, like, a gun and stuff like that. Um... There's a whole bunch of different characters they go through. And the idea here is that not only visitors come to this world, but all magical objects too. So Star Runner actually likes to go out and find these weapons. I uh, even have Dakai, uh, the magpie, he ends up finding one of these magic weapons in a labyrinth. So the idea is that not only are just people coming from other worlds, but also magical items and magical implements and stuff like that from other worlds coming to this world. And again, all in the middle is these two countries possibly going to war and double crossing and all this kind of stuff. They also get into the, the magic system in this world, which is words. And the idea is that they go in this long explanation. Um, this one lady is explaining to this elf, this long explanation that magic in this world is an idea of understanding. So not only do you have to know how to use the magic, but you have to have a full understanding of what you're using it with. And one of the most difficult of these words to do is healing because healing requires you to have an understanding of the person you're healing. So it's often the way she explains is that, yes, you'll have like an elder or somebody that's in the village that is the healer because they know the people of the village. Whereas if somebody came from the outside as a healer, they wouldn't be able to heal anybody. But there is one individual that is seeming the most interesting right now for me um, is Kai. I think it's Kai. And she is this elf that has this very rare ability to essentially use these words without understanding so like they they 
joke about it, but that's essentially true. She would have the capability of essentially walking up to somebody and saying, die, and they would die. Um, so I'm like, yeah, that, person, that character's getting killed real quick. And it's Aoyuki. So it's like, dang, don't, don't let this elf girl get killed right off the bat because she has the most OP ability. Um, but there's like, there's a couple of characters that seemingly have, seemingly have like extremely overpowered abilities. So like one guy is, he's like, he's got like this shield that he always carries around and his ability is not that he's a, a tank or anything like that. His ability is that he has a guardian angel which is this angel that follows him around and kills anybody that comes to threaten him. So you have like all these guys attacking him and he just has a big massive shield up that's protecting himself. And then everybody's just going, bing, and they die. <laughs> like all the angel does is just scratch their cheek or whatever and they just die. So it's like, okay, we're creating a lot of massively OP characters in this story and they're all supposed to compete against each other. <laughs> like how does a guy that has an angel that can scratch somebody and kill them instantly fight somebody that can say die and he just dies? Um, so that's kind of the, the massive quick, uh, question mark that I'm already kind of developing right now watching the show. But yeah, we get into like a, there's a Mandrake, which essentially has like tons of different branches that can come out and carry weapons and whatever he cuts will poison them with deadly poison. And they just die. Um, it, it's just, it's just like this crazy cast of characters being introduced so far, which gets me into my complaint of this series so far. It's a lot of characters, and I don't know where the story's going. <laughs> uh, we've spent literally six episodes, half of each episode, introducing a character. And so that makes, like, what, over 12 characters we've introduced so far. And two characters were introduced at the same time. So it's like, okay, when are we getting into the actual story? Now, yes, the story that is developing so far is these two nations, uh, one being read, uh, led by this old commander of the other one, Tarin the Guarded. And they are becoming the self-proclaimed demon lord. I'm not sure why they're self-proclaiming them a demon lord. I'm not sure if that status brings something to them. But it seems like she obviously doesn't like um, Artia, uh, Ar Ar Aretia, Aretia, <laughs> this other kingdom, um, seemingly because thought, she broke off I thought off for a second ago uh, you were going to say she doesn't like RTSs. And I was like, RTSs, okay, <laughs> yes. Real tight pride. She hates them. She's an Isekai from a world that has that's too popular. I hate them. Um yeah, it's got a, it's got, it's got a good setup so far, and I think the thing that makes me kind of, despite the fact that there's too many characters being introduced and seemingly not enough focus, there is enough here in character writing that I'm liking it. Like this is where I'm going. Okay, the character writing is good. Like the in the introduction of these characters, I'm fascinated with each one of these. I want to know more about Star Runner and his his obsession with dungeon diving. He wants to seek out adventure in all these labyrinths and so he's been spending a whole crap ton of time just diving in labyrinths again you have sojiro who can cut anything he just wants a challenge so he's he's seeking a challenge in a different way than star runner is and the idea that he wants to just fight powerful foes star runner just wants to adventure and dive into dungeons and find treasures and stuff like that um dakai he's pretty much trying to aid tarin not sure exactly why but it seems like he has a lot of trust in tarin trying to seek out somebody that is trying to take down uh, Lithia by, from the inside. Some, there's a somebody leaking information, whatever. Um, all these individuals that are all seemingly going to eventually fight each other. And again, we haven't quite gotten that quite yet. I mean, we were teased it in this recent episode that, you know, stuff was going to start hitting the fan, but I'm kind of curious when that's going to start happening. Um, but again, I think the writing so far is just really good just in characters. I just need, I need a focus, I guess. That's, that's, that's my hope. Now, again, we've already explained before that our enjoyment of certain anime is a lot in like, okay, as long as you can have these things in the show, it's good. It's got enough. He's got enough of that. 
good animation. The only animation in this show that's kind of like, eh, is the Waverns. The Waverns don't look good. They're not not the best looking CGI. I mean, Star Runner doesn't look that bad, and uh, Ragnarji doesn't look bad. But like when you have this big fight of a bunch of like Waverns fighting, it's just like, okay, that looks a little that looks a little bad. But other than that, it's got a good style to it. It's got a, a good shading, nice coloring to it. It's got a unique style to it itself. Everything is going for it. Just, I, I hope that by, I don't know how many episodes it's going for, I hope by the end of this core we can at least get into something. <laughs> like, like, have something happen. I, I'm assuming here very quickly we're probably going to get the war happening between the, to the two countries. And then maybe after that it goes into the the competition for the hero. I'll tell you a little secret, Andrew. I, I, I may or may not actually possibly not have foreknowledge of this sh this story mm -hmm. and it's going 48 episodes and a hundred and something uh characters damn it <laughs> damn it <laughs> just do, yeah just do what they got two characters per episode and eventually we'll get it i don't know maybe they'll just introduce every single person in the world here's billy he was he's a blacksmith <laughs> and it does like like every character when they they introduce them they do like a little quick story with them and they're getting involved with something and then at the very end it has this narrator come up and it's like born in a whale Hoggant, one of the generals of the Ariatia country and is a thrill seeker and used to hunt down waverns and now he's seeking out the truest challenge of fighting a legendary dragon and yes he'll do that same thing he'll just have like some the the episode just opens up and this guy is just like opening up shop goes inside there cleans his tools for like 10 minutes has a special just ability. 10 minutes straight of him brushing his tools special grind it down brush his tool stick it in the fire a little bit hammer it a couple times there's a foreigner for from, from <laughs> billy the blacksmith <laughs> incredible skill in blacksmithing although he he has some rough edges he's not really good at making hammers but <laughs> which kind of is question mark because he uses a hammer a lot um, and always breaks on him so he has to keep fixing it uh, yeah I can see that happening <laughs> Susie the baker <laughs> she likes baking bread more than anything oftentimes you'll find the inside a little bit doughy but <laughs> she, she puts her heart into it <laughs> Timmy the school kid he's kind of just going to school there's a foreigner from, from our world Isakai ain't in, and he's he's into X Games. <laughs> he doesn't like RTSs. <laughs> he, he doesn't like RTSs. <laughs> Todd, the janitor. <laughs> there ain't a single trash can that's got trash in it when he's done. Anyways, uh, dragging that out. Yeah, the Ishra. Uh, so far, I'm really liking it. Like I said, it's a lot of the story, the characters, and stuff. I don't. I just need an overall plot line to hopefully get somewhere. I, I guess this really just comes down to like. Everything's good. The story's good. The character's good. The setup's good. The style's good, except for the Wayburns. Um, but it's just, I, I, I fear we're not going to get, like, a good story completion, I guess. I, I hope that it actually has a good stopping point. Because obviously not going to adapt the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it, hopefully it'll have a good point to get to. Um, I, I think so far my favorite story was probably Ragnarji. Um, he's the leader of the pack of the Wayburns. And the idea that... Yes, typically Waverns, they're like, they're just monsters and they attack each other. But he is like, he's formed a pack and they all follow him and he acts like a unit. So 
yes, wyverns typically, they're going to go out there and they're going to pick up children and take them to their nest and eat them or whatever. That's typically in the idea. And yes, you have this moment where one of the uh, a children goes, goes missing in the, the village and he literally calls a meeting and says, who does it? Who did it? And then they find out who did it and he literally just roasts him in front of everybody. Like, they gave, we, this country has given us trust to protect them and you're ruining it. They feed us and in return we protect them and you're ruining it. So you're essentially execution. <laughs> this is the way that we keep order is that you're gone. So it was kind of interesting. And then her connect, his connection with Kurt, who's like the daughter of the uh, leader of Lithia and she's blind. And so he never lets her touch him because he doesn't want, I guess he doesn't want her to know that he's a Wavern. Um, but their little conversation is kind of interesting, but we'll see where it goes from here. The only character I don't like is, you know, she was the one from the first episode and she's like, I don't like strong people. So I'm going to find somebody to kill Sojiro. <laughs> it's like, God, this girl's psycho. Granted, she did watch her friend get ripped to shreds, which is probably the reason Chris won't watch the show. Just ripping arms off. Just shredding her. Anyways, now that I've made Chris not want to watch the show anymore, Ishra. Hopefully it comes out to a solid series. If not for anything but Kia, the the elf. The world words. That's what they call her. The world words. She's able to control anybody without understanding. Sasaki and Pichan. Do you watch Sasaki and Pichan? Besides what we watch here. <laughs> uh, Sasaki and P. Are you like... What are you feeling on that show, Chris? Even with like the, the episode and half that you watched. Besides the magical girl is probably making you want to watch it, right? Yeah, I'm a magical girl psychics. absolutely made me want to watch it. What's the kill of the psychics? Uh, are you feeling it? It seems interesting. I, 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 I'm not going to deny that. It definitely seems interesting. What I, what probably I not gonna like. at it. I'll probably unsell you. Let me see if I can unsell Chris. On okay, it. you're going to unsell me. Sasaki and Pichon, <laughs> done by Silverlink, based on a light novel, and of course the big draw for Andrew was that it's Kontaku is the art artist for it. Um, love their character designs, or at least the girls. The guys, eh. the girls are cute, though. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, this series, Sasaki and Pichan, opens up with Sasaki, who is an office worker, and he's just kind of doing his usual routine. Life is not fulfilling, all that kind of stuff. And then at some point, he has a random desire to go to a pet shop where he ends up getting called to one of the cages in there by a bird. And he immediately goes, this bird's so cute. And he ends up buying the bird, takes it home, and the bird ends up introducing themselves as a star sage. From another world. He's a wizard from another world. <laughs> and uh, he names it Pichan. And Pichan basically bestows upon Sasaki some of their power. And then transports them to another world. This fantasy world. And yeah, there he starts to essentially bring items from our world over to that world. And sell it to the nobles. And eventually to get to the Viscount and everything. To sell these items. Make a lot of money on that side. Open up a restaurant. So that, well... At, in our world, he's, you know, scrounging by and trying to make a living. Well, at least when he's in the other world, he's able to buy fancy things like steaks and even brings over recipes to his new restaurant and has the guy basically make what he can't enjoy over in our world because he doesn't have much money over here. Over there, he's got plenty of money. Uh, eventually, he ends up running into this girl being attacked by somebody in our world and uses magic to stop him. And she immediately pulls her gun on him and says, you're coming with me kind of find out our world has the existence of psychs and it's just not known to the public and psychics are able to use different abilities like her specifically she's able to control water um, the unfortunate thing is that she can't produce the water <laughs> so she ends up basically employing him to help her because 
he used ice on the guy. And so she's like, okay, you can produce ice and then I can control it. So let's be, we'll be like great partners. And they just start hunting Sykes in our world. And again, on the other side of the world, you start to get into like this war that's happening, this power struggle for the land that's happening. The Viscount ends up getting taken out and the future of that nation ends up becoming a question mark. And in our world, again, he's doing a fighting psychics and doing whatever <laughs> Shizaki tells him to do. And eventually he has to take care of the, uh, the, the daughter of the Viscount from the other world. And then he ends up inadvertently helping take out the entire other uh, military force in that whole power struggle, ends up saving the prince and gets recognized by the king himself. The Viscount ends up being alive. Spoiler, sorry. And then on our side, he ends up trying, they're trying to track down a psych that can create fire. And then in trying to stop him, or at least investigate him, he blows up a plane and then a magical girl shows up to go kill any psychs in the area and thinks that Sasaki is a psych. So... Yeah, he finds out that there's apparently seven magical girls, and there's this one is Japanese, uh, magical pink. She wants to kill all psychics because her family was killed by psychics. So, yeah, and she also killed her. <laughs> she also killed the familiar that turned her into a magical girl, <laughs> and she wears it as a pelt around her neck. I immediately thought, like, oh my gosh, she's got Kyobi's pelt like around her neck. <laughs> Like, for once, one of these magical... Like, we have, like, literally the Madoka Magica route, but she's like, kills Kyobi, like, right off the bat when she realized... Like, it's like that whole thing where... Well, technically, in Madoka Magica, they do try to, but Kyobi doesn't die. Um, but yeah, it's like that whole thing where they find out the, the Kyobi, whatever, is, like, evil, and they immediately kill it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's... That's that's Sasaki and Peace so far. Um, yeah, I... I really don't know. I, I, I want to like this show. Again, a lot of it's to do with the the character artist. I like the character designs. Uh, visually, it was okay starting out. And I have seen quite a drop in quality over time. It's just it's slowly becoming less and less animated. You know, you're, there's obviously something happening on the screen, but it just... Or obviously some action happening at the moment, but it just doesn't seem like it's really presenting it very well. Um visually it's just kind of just going downhill which honestly when i when i heard i mean silver league's not a bad studio <laughs> it's just not a crazy studio so it was kind of expected especially based on how they handled a few of the earlier combat sequences like there's some good moments of animation like when they first run into shizuka which shizuka is like apparently she's a imply that she's like several hundred years old uh shizuka when they ha when they first uh encountered her it was like some pretty cool animation. It didn't feel like it fit the style of the show itself. Like it almost like out of nowhere, it's just like somebody else from a different studio animated it for a brief moment. But I mean, it was good animation. But overall, I think it's just kind of slowly dwindling. Um, I think my biggest issue that I have with the show so far is that I'm not really... It's kind of similar. It's not the same thing as Ishra's issue with this one. This one just doesn't have a focus. It's all over the place. Like, for the first few episodes, it's constantly him just trying to set up trades with the other world. And it's not very interesting conversations. I mean, it's just like, here's this other thing. They're like, oh, wow, this thing. This is crazy. Can we buy it? All right, cool. We bought it. Oh, hey, there's a restaurant. I want to open a restaurant. Oh, I'm going to make a steak. Okay, I made a steak. Oh, Pichan's so cute when, she, when he eats steak. Um, it just it didn't feel very interesting. And then whenever it came to him being on our side of the world, it was just, again, 
just a lot of conversation with Hoshisaki, who is again his um, his superior as he works for this company to hunt down Sykes, and that stuff wasn't interesting. And then introduce the magical girl, and I think the the magical girl's introductions I think has been the most interesting thing because like I was mentioning earlier, we I had it up on the screen when Chris came in here to record, and I was like. Dang, the magical girl's like, yeah, I killed my familiar. Yeah, I'm gonna kill all psychs. Are you a psych? I'm gonna kill you because, and it's just cute magical girl, <laughs> and she's pulling off this pelt off her neck, and she's like, yeah, there, here's the familiar that chained me, or the fairy that turned me into the magical girl. I hate being the being turned into magical girl, and then wraps around back around her neck, and it's like, all I could think of was Cuban. and she's like, she's like, just kill the thing, and wrap it around my neck. Um, that's been like the most interesting thing, and I'm kind of curious if they'll possibly introduce the other. I think they imply there was six or there was seven total and she was one of them. So there's six other ones, supposedly. Um, but they said that she was the only Japanese one. So I'm guessing they're possibly in other areas. Um, and what their purpose is, what is was the purpose? Because when they initially introduced the magic girl, I was like, OK, well, their purpose may be to hunt down Sykes. No, it just seems like it's her. She hates him because they killed her family and her friends. So it's like, OK, maybe she's like an anomaly and the other ones are. What, so the question is, what are the other ones doing? Like, are they just fighting bad people, like criminals and stuff like that? Not necessarily, like, evil monsters or anything like that? That'll be curious. They were, they, they said they're from this fairyland or whatever. Like they said, so the fairy went back to the fairyland? No, I killed it. <laughs> Can't get over that. I'm sorry. Um, other than the magic girl, like, the rest of it's been kind of kind of shrug for me. I, I think the only other thing that I think I found quite a kick out of was... Um, everything around this neighbor of his was her kind of implying that she might be Yandere because she's always outside of her apartment whenever he comes home. And so she sees him every day. And the reason why she's kind of in interested in Sasaki, despite the fact that he's like, I don't know, he's, he's older in dirt and anime terms. I think he's like 28 or something like that. Um, I think they imply that he's like 30 or 30 or something like that. But even though he's like 30 and she's got like a, it seems like an interest in him because whenever he comes home, he always greets her. And in a lot of cases, he'll give her like snacks and stuff like that because her mother keeps bringing, she's always outside because her mother keeps bringing home men and the implied, the idea that she's doing something with the men in there. And so she doesn't want to interrupt them. So she always just stays outside her house until I guess her, the guy leaves or whatever. So he's constantly running into her. And she's been kind of taking note that here recently he's not coming home at the state usual time because now he's working for this other company, the government and whatever. And <laughs> he's got like this kind of look in her eyes like she's going yandere, like who's the girl that you had earlier? <laughs> it's like, dude, that was a yandere look. Go, run! <laughs> run! <laughs> or most anime fans are like, I could fix her or yeah, that's great. But yeah, that was about the only other, other interesting thing. I'm kind of wondering if she'll end up being a psych because there's got to be a reason why they're going to bring her in the fold unless they're just going to have her be the... I guess the, what was the ground zero, whatever you want to call it, the idea of this is the only person that's kind of normal in the situation because everybody else has some kind of quirk or magic or whatever. She's going to be like the normal person. But I don't know. We'll see. But no. yeah, so far it's like, it's just all over the place. In the end, it's just all over the place. Still interested? Wars and and supplying binoculars and and radios and I don't know selling those and then opening restaurants and this there's like this it's whole that my, my 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 interest level has dropped down a nip uh, a, a slot or two so we'll see there is this kind of understory about the idea that like the viscount and stuff a lot of people do recognize the star sage from this other world um it seemingly they 
were doing a lot of great things. It didn't imply it at first, but it's 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 over time implying the idea that a lot of people liked the Star Sage. They did a lot of great things for the people, and at some point they just got destroyed, and that's why they're in this other world as a bird. And so, yeah, there's that whole kind of thing, but... I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's just, again, it just kind of feels like it's all over the place. I'm not sure exactly what it's trying to do in the end, but we'll see. We'll see. That's uh, Sasaki and P. Sasaki and P-chan. Sign of Affection, Yubisaki to Renren. This one's on Crunchyroll running for 12 episodes? I didn't know that. I thought it was going 13, but anyways. Ajia Do is working on it based on a manga, Romance Slice of Life. Opens up with uh, Yuki Itosi. Yuki Itose is uh, deaf, and she goes about her days. It kind of shows how she was raised in, like, this one school that was, like, you know, designed around helping children with hearing loss and no hearing. And the, uh, all, the whole time, basically, she was just looking for the day that she can go out into the world, go out and meet people, explore things, all that kind of stuff. And she got her chance because she eventually goes to college, and she's super excited to be there, get to meet new people and everything. And, uh, yeah, at some point, she ends up running into a foreigner on a train, the foreigner trying to ask her where to go to get somewhere. And she immediately kind of turns and goes, no, I, I can't, I can't talk. I'm sorry. Uh, she can't, can't know. She doesn't, not only does she not know English, she just doesn't, can't really kind of understand what he's saying by just reading his lips. So this guy, uh, Nagi ends up, uh, kind of intervening and helps talk to the guy, you know, tells him where to go. He knows English. And then he turns to Yuki and is like, you know, don't worry about it. I got it. And she's like, sorry, I can't, I can't talk, you know, or what I can't, uh, I can't respond to you. I can only do sign or whatever. And immediately it seems like he kind of just gets into her like personal space. Like it's really up close to her. And she's like, why is this guy getting up in my face? Um, and then she realized very quickly, oh, he's trying to get close so that I can see his lips and I can read his lips to understand what he's saying. And this kind of, kind of intrigues her because Typically, with a lot of people, once they real once they discover or realize that she's deaf, they kind of distance themselves or whatever. Um, it's kind of a it's hard thing to kind of manage and figure out. But he was like the first person that seems like he just kind of gets in there and you know openly communicates to her, and she really liked that. She, he's not off put by her basically. Uh, but anyways, she ends up finding out that oh yeah, this guy is like a part of the club that his her friend is in. So she kind of asks a lot of questions about him and thinks that it's a crush, like she might have a crush on this guy. Ends up kind of going over to where they have their club meetings at and meeting him again. Uh, ends up finding out that, yes, he, you know, he works at the bar that her friend, uh, somebody that she has a crush on, runs the bar. So it's like a double date kind of thing. Them both going to this this bar together to kind of see them again. And, yeah, she really quickly realizes over time that she, it might be more than a crush. She ends up kind of walking home with Nagi at some point. He walks her home and found out that, you know, he essentially loves to travel. He goes all over the world on a regular basis and meets a lot of different people. He knows, like, German, English. I think he knows Chinese and a whole bunch of different languages that he already knows. He just doesn't know sign language. And, yeah, she really, in desiring to see the outside world, he's essentially exactly what she wants to be. She, He is exactly what she desires, which is to see the world and see new things. And so she ask him if he could possibly show her that world, you know, show her all the things that he has seen. And in return, he says and responds to it, <laughs> let me into your world too. And she's like super happy about that. She starts squeeing like a little girl, which is cute. And yeah, it kind of turns quickly from, no, I don't think this is a crush. I think I love this guy. 
I, I like him. I, I want to know more about him and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, over time, over the episodes, it kind of just keeps turning into Yuki trying to find moments to be with Nagi, um, learn more about him, discover all these things. There's a lot of, obviously, issues that she runs into. Like, man, there's a lot of people that get really close to him. Like, his girls are just glomping on him. You have foreigners coming in, and this, this foreigner lady just just jumps right on him and kisses him on the cheek. And Yuki's like, wait, that's normal for them, right? So that's just a foreigner thing. Not, is she in love with him? All those things are kind of running through her head. There's this other girl, Emma. She's super cuddly with Nagi, and he seems to be off-put by her. It seems like she's really trying to get Nagi's attention, but he doesn't want to be with her. Um, at the same time, there is the other guy. <laughs> you always got to have the love triangle, right? Um, there is the other guy, which is Oishi. And Oishi is sort of the opposite of Nagi. In the idea that Oishi has known Nagi for, or Yuki for a long time, but unlike, like, where Nagi is the one that is giving Yuki the route to see the world, pulling her out there, showing her new things, Oishi is the one that wants her to stay not in the outside world, keep her locked up somewhere. And yes, there is a it's not a good thing, but it's obvious that his mindset is the outside world is dangerous and I want her to be safe. And he is frustrated with the idea that she's even in college. He like, he's like, I didn't, I, I hated the idea. When I heard that she was going to college, I thought that was bad. It's dangerous for her out there. There's like this little conversation that he has with somebody at some point that, yeah, it's, it's dangerous out here because like they, they show the example because this guy doesn't pay his fare when he gets off the train. He just goes to the station and somebody's yelling out for him. Hey, hey. You, you didn't you didn't tap the thing. You didn't pay. But the guy can't hear him because he's deaf. And then Oishi kind of confronts him and says, you know, signs him to tell him, look, you, you didn't pay. You have to go back. And the guy's like, you know, thank you so much. And he goes back. And it's this idea of, like, because you can't hear, there's so many dangers around you and things that you'll do and you won't even know it. Because the world itself is not designed for deaf people. Um, so there's that whole aspect there is that he's sort of the, the reverse and wanting to, her to stay kind of bottled up. And it's, it's it's slowly trying to make him be a thing. And it's like, he's not a thing. <laughs> it's like Yuki doesn't, Yuki, in Yuki's mind, she's literally like, this guy, um, ever since she first met him, has always been nasty to her. Um, he learned sign language for his sister or something like that. Her sister was learning it or something like that. And he learned it too. Um, but he's always been nasty to her. So there's never been a romance thing here. But yet it's some, it, he's just popping up out of nowhere every now and then going, I'm a thing. And it's like, no, you're not a thing. Stop trying to make him a thing. And, and I'm like, I don't know at what point they're going to try to make him a thing because I mean, they've had these little moments where like he gets on the train with her and then like, like sits next to her and like leans into her and stuff like that. It's like, stop trying to make this his thing. <laughs> it's like, even Yuki looks uncomfortable. It's like, stop trying to make this a thing. It's like, I, is this a shoujo thing? It's like, this is just not working. Stop trying to make this a thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I understood him when they first introduced him, but at the moment, it's like, I don't know what this writer is doing. Like, it's not working. Whatever the writer's doing with his character, it's not working. It's it's just turning into uncomfortable. Like, every time he's on the screen, it's like, stop stop bringing him on the show because he's creepy. And he's not doing anything. And Yuki obviously doesn't have zero interest in him. Other than have, like, great moments where one of uh, Rin, which is Yuki's friend, at some point, uh, she realized that Yuki's in the area while she was talking to Oishi. And Oishi's there sitting there basically saying, you should never come here. Um, and she's like, but I have friends here. I'm, I'm having fun. And she's like, no, they're acting like your friends. And they're signing back and forth, obviously. I'm just doing this thing because I'm indicating that they're signing. 
But her friend comes in and glomps behind her, grabs her from behind. Oh, Yuki, I didn't know you were here. And he goes, don't do that. It scares her because she can't hear you coming up from behind her. And oh, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Yuki. I'm so sorry. I did not realize that. I'm sorry. And then later on, Nagi does the same thing. Grabs her from behind while there's like this big crowd and he finds her and goes, you know, gotcha. And then Oishi from a distance go, don't grab her from behind. She doesn't like that. And he just turns and goes, he covers up Yuki's face so she can't see what Oishi's saying because he's she's reading lips. Covers up her face so she can't see what he's saying. He just goes, she told me I can do it. Only I could do it. <laughs> it was like this little brief moment of like, okay, this is great having Oishi in the picture because you could have these little moments where Nagi does something really cool like that and just flexes in front of him like, she's my girl. But it's like, but other than that, it's like, what purpose does he serve besides having those moments? It's like, just get him off the show. Like, just have Yuki say, don't, don't bother. Anyways, uh, visually, it's great. It's got a, it's got a very shoujo style to it. Um, I was off put early on with the lips. Um, it's, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> we talked about this when we seen the previews. I'm like, the lips are too much. Um, essentially, it's got a very flat art style to it, but the lips are like super like pronounced. And it was very off-putting. And again, I, I, I've gotten used to it, but I, I still would have preferred them not to do it. I, I think the manga probably had them very pronounced as an art style just because there is an, a lot of use of lip reading. So I would assume that with the manga, they're emphasizing that. The aspect of like the deafness and signing and all that kind of stuff, I don't know sign language. Um, I know a few of them, and it looks like it's pretty legitly done. Um, I actually looked into it to make sure to find out like what the writers have involvement because it's, it's always an interesting thing to kind of get into is like what does the creators have sort of in knowledge to what they're doing like with Dr. Elise I kind of looked into that one to see if the person knows you know medicine and whatnot uh, because some of them there's a lot of there's a lot of creators that like they came from that field and they wrote they wanted to write a story and it's like super I think it was um one of those isekai pharmacy ones. I forget which one it was. The one where he was like a noble birth and then the mm -hmm. father like bought him a massive hospital. Um, that one, I remember correctly, the the writer was like really deep in, it was like a pharmacist. Um, so that stuff's always interesting. When, this one in particular, um, Wikipedia, take that for what it is. I'm sure they have a source there. Um, they said the it's an author duo and they decided at some point they wanted to make a story about um, with the main theme of sign language. It's obviously a sign of affection. And so they both like did a bunch of research beforehand and they got with like experienced sign language people um, and all that kind of stuff to kind of do a good job of it, a proper job of it. Had some people that were deaf and whatnot to supervise the project. So it seemed like they're kind of getting that involvement. Why I say all this, and I think it's important, is I don't think this is a story. Uh, this is not a story about deafness. It's not a story about sign language. It seems like that is the theme, but it's not like I'm seeing so far. There is an aspect that it is important to the story. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's kind of trying to show you what's all involved with it. It's just every now and then it becomes a reason for why something happens or doesn't happen it's not what i'm what, what i basically mean by that is if this isn't a story about look at poor yuki oh my gosh this poor girl she's deaf and oh my gosh the this isn't like um a silent voice where it's like look at all the bullying she goes through and all the horrible things she goes through and all the struggles that she goes through 
it's not trying to be heavy in trying to get into that. It's just that this is a thing that she has to deal with, and she's doing her own thing. So it is credit to Yuki's character, and the idea that this isn't something where she's constantly thinking about, oh, I'm deaf. I can't believe I'm deaf. Oh my gosh, this always happens because it will happen every now and then that she will bring up her issues with being it. Like when she first goes to the bar where Nagi and her friend's crush is at, she goes in there and immediately her friend explains to her crush, the guy that she was going there for, explains to that manager, um, oh, Yuki's deaf. So, you know, she's not going to understand what you're saying because he was calling out to her. And then Yuki immediately goes, oh, I don't know what they're talking about. I can't hear them, obviously. But I immediately know what's going on, what conversation they're having. She's explaining what I'm going through and what I what that I'm deaf. And it creates and she feels that whenever this happens, it feels like there's this this like gap that's happening. Like, oh, they're they're explaining the whole situation. And I feel like I'm not a part of the conversation. And I'm not, and there's that separation starting to build. But then Nagi turns and says, grabs her by the, he always like grabs her by the head and goes, hey, look at me. Because <laughs> she's always done like this and he just grabs her by the head and lifts her up like that. And she's like fine with it because he's like, he's he just gets in there on her and she loves that. Again, that's what makes Nagi special is that he just, unlike most where they almost have like that whole eggshell aspect or, around her being deaf, he's just up in her face like, can you read my lips? Hey, hey, you know, look up here. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of the, kind of the aspect that makes it so cute we find the the big issue that i had early on when i was doing my first impressions of the series was i wasn't really sure how i was feeling about nagi's character i knew that nagi was a great was a great element for yuki because she he was what she wants he is exploring the world he's able to tell her all the stories that he do, does send her pictures you know text her pictures of when she's out there with you know kids in africa or whatever and she loves it um, but I wasn't sure about his character and how their romance would build. And they only here recently finally did that. They get into what he sort of feels with Yuki and the idea that she sort of is being pure, basically. I guess the best way to put it. When he meets a lot of people, they are all, and I think it's a kind of beautifully portrayed, when he meets a lot of people, they are all affected by what other people say. We can all hear what everybody else says, so we hear sort of when they are negative and that negative ne negativity affects us. Whereas Yuki is special in his eyes and the idea that this is, it's almost like she's so pure. She's kind of a, this pure entity because she isn't affected by those around her, that she's almost like purest form of a person. And he finds that interesting and it finds a beauty in what she is. And I'm like, that technically does make sense because again, she was technically raised in this one school for deaf people finally got to go out in the world when she got to college. That's this where she is now. So she hasn't been here very long. And she's so she's not like corrupted essentially by society and people's nasty natures in in a, in a way. So I did find that kind of interesting and I, I do kind of like their relationship so far because it's mutually on both sides. They have a great interest in the other person and so I'll be interested to see how that kind of plays out, but it's been good so far. I, I think it's got a lot of beauty to it. I think Yuki is adorable. Um, I want her to be happy and full of smiles. And I think it's only staying so far is Emma, which is now Toyama. And so obviously going to be rejected by Nagi. Um, <laughs> from the get go, he's rejecting her. Um, and Oishi, 
he's just there as a third wheel, I guess, to constantly go, ah, I missed out on Yuki, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's some really good portrayal of portrayals of the sign language, too. I, I really like, even though I hate the scene, I really like the scene where Oishi is basically telling Yuki that he hates the idea that she came there. Um, but the scene itself was beautiful in the idea that as he's signing all this stuff at her, it's not saying what he's saying. Typically, he'll vocalize it, and of course, it's subtitled. But at this moment, he was just signing like crazy, and you could see the kanji kind of flying off his hands. So he'd do like this, and you see this kanji just flick off his finger. And then all kind of, after he's doing all that stuff, and it's very well animated, it finally all, you know, comes together as the message, which is, you know, you should never come here, whatever. And she's in... But why it's showing all this, or while it's showing all this, Yuki is talking about how his hands, and I'm kind of curious if this is actually a thing, his hands show hesitation. And so it is almost a thing of, like, how Yuki herself sees things differently for us than within people that are not deaf do. Like, if if I'm if I'm not confident about what I'm saying or if I'm feeling uncomfortable, you can hear it in my voice, right? Because right. you'll hear, like... Uh, um, Chris or something like that. So it's kind of in, insinuating that she can sort of see that in his hands. And she's seen that Oishi, despite the fact that he was saying something really nasty with his hands, he was signing to her about how he shouldn't be, she shouldn't be here. There was a, there was a hesitancy to it that she's seen that he was, that there was something about it that implied that he was trying to help her, I guess. And so I was kind of curious if that's some, uh, something that is actually, because I would think you might be able to see it with lip reading, but maybe not because you're not – most of that hesitation is in the throat. But maybe you might be able to see it with like especially males. But um, there's a lot of stuff like that that I think is sort of still intriguing even though earlier I said that it's not so much focused on just the the sign language and deafness in the, in the story. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on the idea that sometimes she'll lip read, but the lips – kind of moves similar for other words so she'll read it wrong <laughs> and she's like wait he's talking about this question mark but no it's just because she read the lips wrong or a character kind of want to talk about this but it's kind of spoilery there's sometimes where misunderstandings happen because she is not because she lip reads she'll miss certain statements in the lips that say, you know, certain things, confessions or whatever. So they kind of play in that whole thing that the, that there's a little bit of a, it's like the whole thing where somebody is looking for somebody and they run into the building, but just right when they run into the building, they go into this one room and then somebody comes out another room and leaves the building. It's kind of like that missing the junctions kind of thing where like they could see that this is a thing, but they keep missing each other because of the fact that she can't hear um, which is kind of cute in, a, in in regards to the romance they're kind of playing out. Um, but I do appreciate a lot of the the use of that, I guess the language, is it language barrier? Um, lot, not lost in translation, just kind of mis, mistranslation, I guess is the best way to put it to her understanding the situation, reading lips or um, sign language have them talk through chat and all that kind of stuff all the time, uh, texting and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's good. I, I, have been enjoying it. I I'm looking forward to more. I will admit that because of things falling apart with things like Oishi and even the, the stuff around Emma, I, I, there's a side of me that wants to say, 
I don't know that the show really is doing very well. At least the story is doing very well with anything besides Yuki and Nagi. Because, I mean, I do get a kick out of Rin, her friend, and her trying to get with this other guy. But it almost feels like whenever the story gets about anything besides Yuki and Nagi, it just doesn't... I don't even know why they're bothering. Oishi, I don't know why they're bothering. bothering. Emma, I don't know why they're bothering. It, it, even, even the idea of the misunderstanding with Emma essentially coming back to Nagi to give her back, him back the keys to his apartment because she literally kind of snuck her way into his apartment and he's like, whatever, that's fine. You can stay here for the night. It's too cold outside. Uh, you know, g give me the keys later. And he just leaves. Um, she was obviously trying to get into his apartment so that they would, you know, do something because she likes him. But he's just like, okay, yeah, sure. Stay here. I'm going elsewhere. And then she comes back later with the keys and it's like, I guess it's to make y y Yuki go, wait, she has keys to his apartment. But it's like, it, it clears up so quickly. It's like, I don't even know why you're bothering with either stories. It just doesn't feel like there's anything worth it outside of these two characters. That would be my only argument is that I just don't really like Oishi. I keep harping on is it just seems like a use, a waste of time. So anyway, that's, that's the sign of affection. Looking forward to more. I didn't, I did that whole thing without making my shoujo silent voice joke. Crap. Just did. <laughs> <laughs> Tell a wedding rings. Did you get a chance to watch that one yet? Yeah. All right, let's talk about Telewedding Rings. Telewedding Rings. Can I, do I even have an outline for it? I did an outline for it. You liar. Is it, what is the title? Fully, full title. Yes, yeah, Telewedding Rings. What, I don't know. I'm, maybe I just put tell. Yeah, Telewedding Rings opens up with Haruto. He has a childhood friend, Crystal. Uh, we get a brief flashback that at some point he ended up running into Crystal and her grandfather coming out of Portal. And they've been friends ever since then. But yeah, one day uh, he's going to confess to her and she ends up going, all right, peace out. I got to go back home. <laughs> he's like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm transferring. I'm going to go back home. And then he's like, wait, there was that. What was that memory that I had? Oh, yeah. When she says going home, she means through a portal. And so he rushes out there, ends up seeing her walking through the portal with her grandfather back to her own world. Apparently, she's been hiding in our world while this evil demon is trying to destroy the world. And so she's hiding away there until she can go back and bestow her wedding ring to uh, the the ring hero he jumps to the portal and they're just about to have the ceremony to assign the next the ring the ring hero the ring king the whatever. Ring king. and she immediately turns to haruto and says no you're the one kisses him and be he becomes ring king like hey if i'm gonna have to hooked up with somebody might as well be the one that i actually like which is haruto so yeah uh crystal and haruto are now wedded and he now has the ring to her and he's now the ring king and now he can basically create the power of the ring king and destroy the baddies and yeah they find out a little bit later that hey by the way haruto <laughs> she's not the only one you're marrying <laughs> yeah there's a you have multiple fingers and you got to get a ring on every single one of them so it's time to go around and collect all of the 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 wives of, of the ring king each one of these nations apparently in the past they all these knights or whatever they create these rings and they use it to fight out the baddie and then they the different nations separated and now each one of these kingdoms has a girl that carries the ring and so now he has to go to each one of these kingdoms and marry them he goes to the elf land first to meet nefertis and she's a shut-in so that didn't work out very well <laughs> Plus, also, the elves wanted to seclude themselves from the outside world, so they used the power of the ring in order to create this, well, the this previous ring 
queen, whatever, she created this big tempest that kind of keeps the elves protected. And so they're all afraid of losing that protection and the isolation. And then, yeah, they eventually talk them into it. And then he gets on the the floating, not the floating, but the the, the caravan that houses the, the beast people. The fire king. Ranart is the next one there. And she's like, yeah, beat me. And then I'll, I'll, I'll let you be my ring king boy. And he, she beats the crap out of him. And then later on, she's like, eh, you know what? Just between us, I'll let you beat me next time. Just put on a good show, okay? And she, he's, he's like, I'll, I'll actually do my duties as basically one of the ring uh, queens. Is it ring queens? Ring brides? I, I forget what they call them. Just one of the brides, I guess. Didn't they have a name for them? Ring princess. Ring princess? Just call them ring princess? <laughs> the, the wing, it has to be ring queen. No, they're ring princesses. King. Why they, I, I forgot that part. Anyways, mm-hmm. even though I read the manga and I watched the show, <laughs> I forgot that part because it's a stupid show. It's a stupid manga. But yeah, the, she, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to fight you legit. And that's about as far as I got for the anime. So I'm not sure if they got another episode after that. So there you go. Daddy uh, kind of defeated her. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if that episode came out yet. Yeah. So... Oh, you going? Go for it, Chris. Kay. Tell me. Tell us you, all well, great this need, show is. You, you need to rest your little voice there for for a moment. Um, no, rest I, your I, little voice. Rest your little voice. You got a, about four shows a, a, under your belt for the start. Um, yeah, I uh, I've actually really enjoyed it. I I do kind of am, I am a little bit frustrated in how fast paced it seems. I don't remember it feeling this kind of rushed, but it does feel a little bit rushed. It seems like things are being kind of cut kind of just to move the the story along along a, what feels a lot faster. Um, it doesn't feel near as etchy as it used to for a fact. Um, maybe it maybe we're just waiting for uh, the fire princess to get involved and now now everything's gonna go silly but because I do remember she got real crazy um, but for the most part it's it's been enjoyable they're just go- going along and it and getting quite a few things going I I am still I'm starting to remember one one of the main reasons why I was kind of interested in the latter parts um, I and and hopefully I'll actually s- start seeing if they are going to push for that direction when they do actually get there. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the more intriguing things that kind of popped up in the, the manga when I was reading through it, which they've already gotten into was the aspect that one of the ones that comes down to attack them when they were with the elves was essentially one of the elves and she was wearing a corrupted ring. Mm -hmm. So it was like, Oh, so it's not just the, the ring King. There's possibly, you know, demon King Queens something. Yeah. But yeah, that's. I don't really have much to say. I, I will say that Staple Entertainment's doing a much better job with the quality of this show than I thought it was going to be coming into it. I'm like, oh, this. I mean, the, the PV even looked like kind of stiff. <laughs> like there wasn't much animation to it. But Staple Entertainment has been doing a very good job with this show, so I'm very impressed with what they've done with it. It does have kind of a a lot of shading to it and of a unique style to it, the coloring and stuff like that. But um, outside of that, the ex- the etchy's decent. It yeah, I, I agree with Chris. It's like maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering wrong, but it feels <laughs> like there's just not much etchy in the show itself. So maybe that's just an aspect of transferring to the 
anime. I don't know. Maybe maybe after this, we're gonna we're both gonna have to do some investigation to find out yeah, if we're true. We're gonna have we're to both, do some thorough investigation. We're both thinking the same thing here. It's like it just doesn't seem like there's much here. Um, I will say that we're already kind of getting signs of what ultimately made me drop the manga is it just it never really does anything with the relationships itself. It's just like this constant joke about somebody wanting to make their move and then Haruto going, no, 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 we can't. It's That's just forcing it and it has to be done at the right time. I want it to be natural. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't do this right here with them because it's just being forced. Uh, Haruto just likes to blue ball himself and he's just constantly trying <laughs> to run from anything and it's like like when when Nefrit just comes in and you have like the other elf I think was there too and they're like trying to promote the idea of okay Crystal do it and Crystal's like alright let's do it let's show him how it's done it, it, yeah that was what it was she was trying to show Nefertiti's how it's done because Nefertiti's like this shut in too pure she doesn't know anything about the outside world and Crystal's trying to show her how it's done and then Haruto's like no I can't do this you can't <laughs> It's like, gosh dang, dude, come on. He's literally like, the, he's literally the enemy of all otaku. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Haruto is. Like, yes, we all hate, we you have hate, to. You have, you have gorgeous uh, cat girl walk up and say, let's do it right now. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, I have oh. to do the other one first. And she's like, okay, you said you wanted to do it. And he's like, no, I have to do it in an order. When we get back home, yeah, well, oh, you, the no, right time. not not when you get back home. You will never do it, you <laughs> idiot. You've already lost your time. <laughs> He's not like an annoying ditherer character, but he is. He is definitely the like. I just I don't want to be happy. <laughs> I just don't want to be happy. Um, so there is a frustration there, and that was. Ultimately, what even though I read a crap ton of the manga, and I probably should just go back and read the last, I don't know, five chapters or something when it was done, because I think it just recently completed. Um, I, I should probably just go back just to for the completionist's sake, but it, it is one of those series where, admittedly, I read way too much of this manga, and it's just so repetitive, and it never really does enough new as it goes along. There is some good storytelling in it, so don't get me wrong. Like, like... Even with around with Nefertiti's, I mean, there is a good story in there and the idea of, yeah, Alabaster and his involvement with the elves and the previous ring uh, bearers and all the stuff that happened there and the creation of the Tempest that protects them. And it's like there's a, there's an actual lore around everywhere they actually go, which is intriguing. It's just at its core is this repetitive joke about, all right, time to do it. Haruto, no, I can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. I can't do it. And it's like the entire time you kind of get a little frustrated because if you think about it, they've sort of indicated this idea that the closer that he is with the girls, the stronger power they bestow him. So like they have this whole thing where, yeah, Crystal kisses him and literally he gets more powerful than he was before. It's like it's showing that affection is building between the two of them and that trust and Haruto's getting even stronger. And their way of getting stronger from that point is, well, okay, we have to get more girls. So time to go to the elf place. But in actuality, you know that, yes, technically, if they just jump in the dang bed, you're probably getting like OP as hell. Come on, just do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's just at its core, it's still kind of a, a nonsense type of show that doesn't really do enough comedy wise or anything to really kind of justify it. It's, it's not a comedy, in my opinion. It's just a very there's very few points in it that make me chuckle, but it. It's more of an action, fantasy, etchy type show, I think is where yeah. I would probably put it. But I don't think it has enough, in my opinion. So, 
Yeah, let's tell wedding rings. Uh, seventh time loopu. Did you get a chance to watch that one? Yep. It's a good show. Seventh is it time loop. So you already oh. made your. You already made your. Um... Are you? Did you not like it? No, I was. I was just pointing out the fact that you already did your review. You're already saying that it's good. I mean, well, yeah. You don't like okay. it. I'm just, I, I'm I just acknowledging you am already. I wrong? Are you already? Am I wrong? I'm just acknowledging that you already reviewed it. Okay, you're not the show. You me why spoiled. I'm wrong. You spoiled everything right then and there. Seventh time loop. The villainess enjoys a carefree life, married to her worst enemy. Uh, this one is streaming on Crunchyroll, done by uh, Hornets and Studio Kai, based on light novel fantasy romance. Uh, and this one, yes, opens up with Rish. And Rish, uh, it has a very Otome-type opening, but it's not a Tome game. Don't don't think it's an Otome game. It's not a Tome game. It's just the opening is very villainous Itome. Uh, essentially, this Rish, she is, it opens up with her in front of the prince of this kingdom. And the prince is going, Rish, I know all about all of your crimes we're going to expose it all. He has this big, long speech kind of planned out. So he goes to this big old thing, talking about all the crimes that she's done and breaks off his marriage with her. And she's going to be ruined for the rest of her life. Um, she leaves, goes back to her home where her parents basically kick her out. They're like, you've ruined our name. Get out of here. You don't get anything. She's kicked to the side of the road. She's traveling. And eventually she ends up running into a traveling caravan, which is this group of merchants. And this merchant brings her in. And starts to show her how to become a merchant. And she lives out the rest of her life essentially becoming a merchant and traveling the world and selling goods and trades and all this kind of stuff. And then she dies in the war. This war happens in the kingdom. I think they imply that it always happens about 10 years later. But yeah, she dies in this war. And then, boom, she's in front of the prince again. And the prince is telling everybody about her, her lies and all of her crimes and... She's like pinches her cheeks and goes, oh, that's weird. And then she walks away. It's like, all right, that's cool. Later, she immediately runs home. Like, okay, if this is happening again, the only thing that I regretted in my last life was that I didn't grab enough of my stuff. So she immediately runs home and grabs as much stuff from her house as possible. And then immediately goes to see if she can run into the, the caravan again. But she misses them this time. And she goes, okay, well, I guess from this point, maybe I'll do something different. And which this point, she decides to study medicine. And so she lives that life, becoming, you know, an expert in medicine, Herb everything herbalism, like that. isn't it? I don't know. She just learned medicine itself. Herbalism and, and, then, and then goes into being a doctor. Well, she created a, a thing to help somebody when she was doing the herbalism. But yeah, she becomes, she gets into medicine and herbs and studies and that stuff. But again, war happens, dies, back in front of the prince again. <laughs> and in that time, she goes, well, one aspect of herbalism and medicine that I was intrigued by was this one doctor. And so she spends this next life studying this one branch of medicine with this one doctor becomes the apprentice of him. And then again, war happens, dies. <laughs> and then the next one, she becomes a maid of a nobleman. And then again, war happens, dies. They skip one of the loops. She says, Oh, that something happened in this one. But then the sixth loop, she decides to become a soldier. So she joins the arms and trains, to become a swordsman. And then again, the war happens but this time, she dies to the man that keeps starting that war, which is the Emperor Arnold Hein. She's facing off against him. They're trying to protect the princes, and in comes Arnold and kills her. Well, seventh loop. This is where we get into the current storyline. The seventh loop. This time, immediately, she's in front of the prince, goes, all right, peace out, walks out the door. And he's like, wait, I, was, I have this whole thing written out for you. 
This time she decides, you know what? I always go out the front door. I'm gonna take this other route instead. So she takes this other route to leave the palace, ends up running into, yes, Arnold, the one that killed her in the previous time loop. Um, and she immediately says, you know, Emperor Arnold Hine. And he's like, wait, I'm not an emperor. That's my father. It's like, oh yeah, sorry. Just, I, I'm, I got broken up by the prince. I'm a little bit flustered. Sorry, I gotta go. Jumps off the balcony. <laughs> just runs over and jumps off the balcony. And he's like, what in the world? He's like intrigued by her. So she goes home. There, the prince is waiting for her and yelling at her family. And the prince, again, tries to go through his whole like spiel. And she's like, uh, yeah, I don't really care. She kind of lays it out pretty well in the idea that she, you know, tells D Dietrich, which is the prince, off a little bit. She even points out the girl that he's interested in now, which told him all the lies, which would probably be like the Atome game, you know, main girl. Uh, she's like, you know, I know you did it all because of your family or trying to get money and everything. Just don't, you know, focus on yourself. Gives her a little bit of advice. Then Arl shows up, tries to attack her, and she immediately parries it. He's like, I knew it. For some reason, you know how to do swordsmanship. And so she's like, he, Arnold is like extremely intrigued by her because she obviously shows that she's a skilled swordsman, even though she's a noble girl, like a, a girl from a noble house. And so he kidnaps her, <laughs> says that he wants to marry her, kidnaps her and runs off to his nation with her. And all along the way, she helps cure her, his men because they get poisoned by some bandits and goes back to his kingdom there. She's basically agreed to marrying him. But it's, there's like two things that Rish in this seventh life wants to do. One, she just wants to enjoy life. Like she's like, I just want to, I want to relax this time. But two, I want to live longer. So I got to figure out why this Arnold guy keeps going to war. What makes him the evil emperor in all of these routes that starts this war? Kills his father, basically. Starts a war and all this kind of stuff. Because he seems like a cool guy. Like he he likes his, he, he cares for his men. Um, he's a good person, all this kind of stuff. But what makes him evil is the question mark. So she's trying to figure that out while trying to set up things so that when it comes to some horrible moments in history or the the history, uh, the future, she's able to kind of overcome it. She's already kind of trying to set up tie, uh, ties with the merchant that she was essentially um, trained under and all that kind of stuff, uh, helping out her maids and all that kind of stuff. So she's kind of setting up, setting up things in the background, all the while Arnold is constantly intrigued by her and... Most of his his interest in her comes in the fact that she is so different than most noble women. The idea that she's yes, she knows swordsmanship, she knows how all this stuff about medicine. She she's constantly surprising her him basically. She's this constant surprise that's always happening, and it's always based off of her life her multiple life experiences. Because like I said earlier, technically I think they imply that she it takes ten years before he basically goes to war. And so she's essentially lived for, you know, I don't know, like, what is it? They said that I think, I think she was like in the, her late teens, maybe twenties. So that kind of implies that she's been living for like 60 years. So she's been, she has a lot of life experience, which is sort of the thing that I kind of like about the series so far is that it always kind of has that element of her life experiences always coming to play when she talks to people. Like with the maids, she's kind of bestowing this, this, this reality check for this one maid because she was doing all this stuff to put down the other ones while trying to make herself look good. And she's like, but you do realize the other ones that can't read like you can because her family, she's from a family that has fallen, like a noble family that has fallen. And so she's like, so you had an upbringing where you were able to learn to read these girls. They can't read and you're, and you're not 
realizing that you're not, and you're kind of putting your, you're putting yourself ahead of everybody else and letting, leaving them behind in a sense. So, and then she kind of turns around to make her train the maids. So it was kind of cute. So, yeah, there was even that, even uh, kind of one of those quick flashbacks of her uh, screaming at, at, at the maids and saying, well, why didn't you just write it down if you couldn't remember? And it was like, well, because they can't write it down. They don't know how. I there there was a lot there's a lot of really cool scenes in the show. I I absolutely love it. I it, it's it's kind of cool that they're they're kind of building up they've they've introduced another character um and this character is kind of trying to work in the background and and um Risha is uh is kind of doing the same thing. She's trying to work in the background to kind of build up um uh Prince Arnold and, and, and all that stuff. And it, and it's really setting this up as, um, after going through their entire drama beat of, okay, let's not work against each other. Let's work together. And it, and it's really a cool kind of setup in doing that. And I, I really did enjoy it. Um, it, I, so far I've, I've been very impressed with it. Um, I am very curious about the uh, the six uh, loop that, as Andrew has mentioned, uh, I there there is some it would have been things. the fifth one. It would have been the fifth one. Because yeah, the me. sixth one was a soldier. Um, yeah, she literally goes like, and then my fourth one, I was a maid. Then my fifth one, yeah, that happened. This no, she didn't say it like it was like my fourth one, I was a maid, and then sixth one, I went a soldier. And it's like wait, I, I immediately my my mind goes wait, f what five five? Wait. Slight spoiler: it does technically show her outfit in the OP. I'm curious. And there is a there is a set of skills that she she has used several times, which would imply what that is. What um, skills? Lock lock picking. Oh, she and, said that she that when she was a maid because the the mistress always locked herself up in her room, and so she had to learn how to pick the lock. But yeah, it, it her outfit looks like a bandit, or maybe a spy. I, I think it's gonna. It would be cool if it was a bandit. It would be really cool if it was a bandit. But I'm thinking it could just be. If it was an adventure, I don't know why she wouldn't say it. Um, but I'm wondering if it'll be a spy would make more sense for why she would not say bandit would also make sense why she wouldn't say, well, either it, w it could be a, not a, 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 it could be a non murders bad bandit. Yeah. I mean, bandits aren't always like kill and pillage. Sometimes it's not, it could be like a Robin hood thing. Spy and spy and bandit, either, either one of them, they, they both fit into her. Like I said, the the lock picking and her getting out of the quote unquote prison uh, ability. So, I mean, I could go either way on that. I, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, I'm just I intrigued by the fact that she it skipped it, and it's like <laughs> cool. I like that. I actually like that it skips it. And I, I it kind of bugs me out that it's in the op, and I can't unsee it, so it's not like I can do anything about it. But I'll be I'll be curious when, why and when she decides to talk about that because it seems kind of intriguing. Um, but no, I, I, I do appreciate, I like Risha's character. I think it's her, the, how they played her out so far is really fantastic. Cause she feels, she feels like she's somebody that has been through a lot of stuff and it's so easy for a lot of these shows to sort of dip into this, but not really do it justice. Like in most cases, it's a, a one-time dead reincarnate type of thing, or it's a, a isekai into the body of the bad person. Again, this is not really an Atome game. She calls herself the villainous because that's how her life sort of played out in a scenario that she became the bad guy. This this Marie that talked to the prince made her to be the bad guy. She was the villainess. Um, but she's not really a villainess. She's not – this is not an Atome game. Like very quickly, this 
I like how the king shows up and he's like, hey, Arnold, I'm so sorry about my stupid son's actions. And Reese, I'm sorry, too, about what everything my stupid son did. And then Arnold's like, I want to marry this girl. And he's like, please, Arnold, go with her. <laughs> or please, Reese, go with Arnold. <laughs> like, they don't want to start a war with with Arnold and his his father. Um, so, again, that, that whole Atomic, it, it kind of sucks that it opens up with the Atomic Game Vilness type of thing. Because, like, that is such a... That's that's left literally back there in the beginning part of episode one. The rest of it is not a villainous isekai. It's not an isekai in any way. It's not an Atome game thing. It's 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 about somebody who has essentially lived so many lives, and every reset because of that aspect of the prince rejecting her, or whatever. She's forced to experience a different life, and she's chosen to seek knowledge and seek things each one of those lives. And now the seventh one is where she's like, I want to chill. But then she's not going to do that because then it would be a boring story. <laughs> so it's literally her. So far, it seems like it's her, yes, supporting Arnold from the shadows. But it's kind of like that whole thing where she's sort of putting things into play that could create a scenario where she could live in a, a prosperous life. And so part of that is so far with the story arcs, a lot of that so far has been, okay, I need a trader. I need... I need a merchant. I need a merchant at my side. And she trusts Kane. But again, this merchant Kane doesn't know who she is. Right. Now, she'll say things that he has said in her previous life that catches attention. Like, well, how, how does she know that statement that I always used to make? Um, she knows about his sister. She knows all these things about Kane. And she knows that she needs to take the right step. And there's a lot of cases where it's almost a mind game because she has to put on that poker face. She has to put on that. I'm here for business. I need to prove to him that I know what I'm doing. I'm not some dumb nobleman's daughter. I'm, I'm here to, for business. And he keeps throwing it back in her because she, back in her face, because she's come there all prim and proper. And he's like, I think you're too rich for us. Like, I don't, I think I, you're, you're, we're not going to work out because you're much higher than me. You're too rich for me. And then it'll turn into later on where it's just more of a, you know, I think you're you're naive. You're not doing this right. You're being foolish. You're presenting too much. And it almost turns into one of those things where he's literally trying to teach her a lesson at the same time rejecting her because she's not doing things right. And even though she has full knowledge of how he works things. So it's kind of a fun back and forth that they had between the two of them. But it mm -hmm. all builds into what I think is kind of a very clever method that she wants to go into. We need to put the people to the, the people in the poor area to work to buy our own goods. She wants to essentially take this uh, this area of this kingdom that is not doing well, that it will eventually cause some sort of issue in this kingdom. She wants to essentially slam in the middle of it uh, commerce, basically. She wants yeah. to create its, its own economy right there by putting people to work and then return, take what they make in, in value back into their own shops. So she wants to essentially throw the shops and the work in there for people to have the work and to pay into their economy. So it's kind of a brilliant move that she's doing. She's not just going out there and throwing money at that side of the, the kingdom. She's trying to help it grow. She's putting the fertilizer and the water onto it to help it grow. And so how that affects Arnold himself, it's going to be the question mark, but it's intriguing nonetheless, because it's almost like she is becoming like essentially the ideal queen to this emperor. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, but I have 
how are you feeling on their chemistry so far? I do. It's kind of like um, the whole situation we had last season with the um, who was it? Um, you didn't like it, but I liked it. The chemistry, anyways. It's kind of like that whole thing where you have the guy that's super intrigued by the the other girl, and then the girl has like a a lot of wit to her. There's almost an intriguing aspect of how much wit she has going for her. But I've I've liked their chemistry so far. I mean, it's not. I'm not completely sold on Arnold yet. For sure not sold on Arnold yet. But um, it does seem like he obviously has some really nasty stuff in his past. At some point, he ends up revealing to her, because she knew, based on her knowledge in medicine, that he had sort of a a, a stiffness to one of his shoulders. Because they end up having this big ballroom dance, which was very beautifully done, by the way. This big ballroom dance. And at some point, she noticed that one of his shoulders was stiff. Well, he has like... <laughs> Like tons of stab marks in his shoulder. Like somebody literally was stabbing him in his shoulder over and over again. And there's a lot of question marks as to what all that has. Is, is it his brother, which they end up uh, showing his brother later on? Um, was it his mother? They, I think they didn't they say that he killed his mother. I'm kind of Im it kind of implied that it wasn't the brother because of the fact that the brother didn't know that those were there. So then they say that he killed his mother. Yeah, he did say he yeah. killed his mother. It, there's a lot of question marks behind him, but um, you know, I, I, I'm again, I'm not, I'm not against Arnold because I, I, I do like how he treats Reesh. because like this whole thing where he's like basically letting her do whatever she wants. He, yeah, he like he knows that she left to go talk to the merchant in the town when she finally comes back and she's got like brown hair because she disguised herself and everything. He's just like, yeah. You went and did that. I was just waiting for you to come back. Make sure you're all right. You're all right, right? <laughs> it was like, I, I do like how he's very... Didn't he, didn't he say... He's that very he, hands-off, but at the same time, he does say, like, but I want I want to make sure that you're still safe. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer that you let me protect you or something like yeah, that. Keep, keep on a leash, at least, basically, so I can pull you back out of the water if you stay on there too long, I guess. Yeah, the only thing that she he's he's kind of forbade her from was talking to Theodore, but yeah, uh, doesn't like that, that was, but she did kind of throw that back in his face. Yeah, they, they they've they've kind of fixed that, resolved that issue in in whatever however you want to take it. But yeah, it, I mean, it's still lots of fantastic moments so far. I, I there is it it's it's. I mean, we're we're hitting a lot of the really high high points. I mean, it's it's really really awesome how much they've like like andrew has talked talked about i think the made that made sequence was sequence was absolutely fantastic it, you it, knew she was gonna have her lead it in some way now it was more of a, like a teaching them what the question mark i have is why is she now I, at first i was questioning why she was doing the whole maid academy thing and then i'm like i guess it kind of plays into what she was doing with the um you know, the, the commoners and how they're always struggling because it was like all about LZ and whatever and her struggles over money. And it turned into Diana as well because she has a family that has kind of fallen and she kind of wants to help them. So she's creating like this maid service because she knows so much about the maids. But um, you knew that she was going to pull her under there. Oh, like, yeah. She uh, looked too unique. <laughs> it was, it, unique. Well, I, I liked the fact that it, 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 she, they took the time to have her be in, in there working with them for, I mean, quite a while i was like okay i thought she was going to choose her maids why is she working with the maids i mean come on <laughs> she wanted to get to know them um but yeah they, they, when they finally had them all i mean you'd hear them hear them every once in a while kind of bickering about whether or not uh so and so and uh 
how they're going to be the best out of the entire thing when and they're going to prove their worth to to the lady and and then when they finally are sitting there uh when she's not there and they're actually talking about how they're going to uh be the ones that are chosen and and you get this kind of backbitey statements that all these these maids are saying at at one another and then all of a sudden uh, here comes the lady and, and she walks in and I was just waiting for this kind of jaw drop moment of all these girls. <laughs> I am kind of surprised it went that long and nobody seen like a guard walk up to Reese and ask her something or take her off somewhere or yeah. and notify her something. It's like, I mean, it almost implies this idea, like all the maids are like in this one location and she enters the location and leaves the location. Nobody else comes in and communicates to her. Nobody, n not a single person told a maid to go get Reesh and they went and go to find Reesh, but it was kind of implying that they were kind of in a separate wing and she has like her own little place that she yeah. decided that she wanted. So it makes sense, I guess, but yeah, I'm looking forward to more and um, yeah, hopefully it has a solid, solid conclusion for this season. So I think that's probably another kind of question mark that I have is what, what good punchline they can have for this, the story for this core. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what else we got? Uh, da, 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 da. Solo leveling. Let's talk about <laughs> this show. Let's talk about the the hypest, hypest hype show ever. There's there <laughs> there's a side of me that kind of wants to get this out of the way, but it's like I I think solo leveling is a prime example that there's like something in the anime fandom that I kind of want to go away. It's the overhype thing. Like, I I just, I, it's it's a two-sided thing. There's one side where it's, like, everybody that's hyping it up, but there, I, I think I see more people complaining that it's got too hype, that it's, like, at some point it drowns out the hype. Like, I think we're, we're spinning, there's there's more people yelling about it being overhyped than people that were actually overhyping it. <laughs> it's like, I think everybody that was hyping it's already gone and went to sleep. Oh, and... is it time to, to say that it was never good yet? Right. Like, it's like, man, this thing was, this thing was sort of online ex-girlfriend before it even new, started. Yeah, this is the new ex-girlfriend. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. <laughs> and she, it. There's just a side of me that I, I'm so sick of seeing the post saying this is overhyped. And it's like, you made yourself overhyped. Like I, I did perfectly fine coming in the show, going neutral, expre uh, neutral expectation. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it, it, I just I, there's just so many people that it's like it's your own fault. It's your own fault. Like if you were overhyped for this, it's your own fault. But anyways, yeah, let's let's get into it. Solo leveling. Oedake level up. Nah, Ken. This one is done by Studio A1 Pictures. Has someone on here you doing the music for it. Director behind Goddess Dormitory and uh, Sword Online direct uh, episode directorial work. But yes, opens up in a world like our own, modern times, that apparently at some point, portals started appearing everywhere. And monsters started pouring out of the portals. And mankind cannot stop the monsters. Their conventional weapons do not work on it. That, that trope. Uh, but thankfully... People started awakening to powers. They call them hunters. Uh, but basically, when you awaken, they do this kind of examination to find out how much mana you have. And based on your mana, it can set you at a rank. And based on your rank, tells them this hunter's or organization essentially what portals you need to go into. Because they can also test the portals to find out what kind of power the monsters are inside. And we follow the weakest hunter and oh, no, it's the weakest uh, hunter of mankind or something like that. 
And he's the weakest of the week. He's uh, Jin Wu Song. And Song is an E rank. Right, there are some people that claim that he's not even an E rank. <laughs> like, he's not even that strong. Um, but yeah, he's he's the weakest of the week. He's joining a group to go into a dungeon. At some point, they defeat the dungeon. Typically, when you defeat the boss of the dungeon, over time, eventually, the dungeon itself will collapse. If you don't defeat the boss very quickly, uh, they'll what will happen is a dungeon break where the monsters will be able to leave the portal. So they do want to defeat the boss eventually, you know, quickly. Uh, collect the loot and get out of there. Uh, Song is, again, getting his butt kicked. He gets beat by a goblin very quickly, and this girl, uh, Johi, which is very concerned for him, heals him up. <laughs> but then when they beat the boss, they realize there's another path. It's a rare instance where there is a double dungeon, which essentially is where there's another dungeon attached to the dungeon. So they all basically take up a vote. Hey, we're supposed to go back and tell the Hunter's Association so they can figure out what to do after that and give us orders. But, I mean, we take a vote now and just say, yeah, let's just go down there and see if there's more loot down there because we didn't really get much. So they all vote to go in. They go into this double dungeon where they end up getting locked inside of this chamber where there's all these statues surrounding the room and this one big statue sitting on this throne in the middle of it. And then, uh, yeah, the, 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 the statues start killing everybody. <laughs> and very quickly, Jung, uh, Sung realizes that there's sort of a message in this whole thing. At the, the first moment they came in there, there was this basically commandments. The commandment said to, what was it, uh, worship the god, praise the god, and uh, believe the Revere god. Revere the god was first. Revere. Revere, worship, praise, or pay, praise. And then, and then believe. Something in, involved I think it was faith. Believe. I think it had something yeah, it's to like do faith. with faith. So yeah, uh, songs like, okay, uh, everybody get down and bow. <laughs> so everybody kind of just crouches down and bows in front of this thing, and it stops blasting them. Um, if they try to leave, this, the ones at the door slice them up, and if they didn't bow, it would just laser eye beam them and kill them. And then after that, okay, it gets up and starts smiling and go, starts coming towards them, and he's like, okay, well, the next one is praise. They're trying to figure out what the praise is. So this guy goes over there and does like a actual worship praise to the guy and says all these nice things about it, gets stepped on. Uh, they realize they have to go to each one of these statues, and the statues itself will sing a praise. And then the last one was the belief, whatever, where this big altar comes in the middle and they all have to stand in the middle of it and these torches light. Prove your faith. Yeah. It's basically proving faith because the idea is that you're going to stay there and not run away because the door opens again and everybody's like, hey, the door's open, let's go. And they run out, but then that makes the soldiers come back in towards the middle. So the more people leave, they, they leave and they get to leave the chamber, but then everybody else left behind, the armored knights come closer to them to kill them. Presumably. So yeah, that kind of how it happens. Everybody leaves. Sung's left behind. He gets brutally beat the crap out of until eventually this prompt comes up on the, in front of his face that says, hey, you've been selected to be a player. Do you wish to accept? If you select no, your heart will you know stop beating in 0.2 seconds or whatever. And he accepts it. And he wakes up in the hospital. His missing leg and arm are back. And he's got prompts in front of his face. <laughs> The Hunter's Organization comes by to kind of ask him if he possibly is a second awakening because he was found in the dungeon alive and the chamber was gone. So they maybe thought that maybe he second awakened and defeated this crazy powerful thing that everybody reported was in there. And uh, yeah, he starts doing these quests that these prompts are giving him, which is to do like exercises and stuff. If he doesn't do it, he gets a penalty, which is to be the one time he got penalty was that he was being chased by this big centipede in this other world. Uh, does these quests every day, uh, puts stats into these stat points, which apparently makes him stronger, which he does kind of realize after a while he's getting stronger. 
ends up getting a key to go to a secret dungeon, which he's able to go into and fight monsters and eventually kills a boss in there, levels up a whole bunch, and then eventually actually goes and does a a raid once again with a group of guys that, yes, basically have two other individuals fill in for them so they can make a quota to go into a dungeon. Then they kill them and take all the loot kind of thing. So, And he gets a quest to kill people. <laughs> that happened. So what's your thoughts on the anime adaptation, Mr. I ran the web, not web the, I'm sorry, the manhwa. The manhwa. The man, yeah, not the novel. You read the manhwa. The manhwa. Manhwa. I've been reading the manhwa alongside of it, but um, it hasn't been too much difference, really. No, it doesn't seem like it much has changed. It, 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 it is actually kind of funny. I, uh, it's, I'm in this weird place where I, I, I'm not one to overhype this show because I, 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 I liked it. I liked it just fine. It was, it is, it's, there is, what I can say is for those who think that this is overhyped, I I hesitate to say this because it implies that it's going to get better. It, it's it's where it is, but there is a lot of intriguing things in the lighter parts. So take that for what it is. Um, is it, it going to make it better? Good. Is it, it going to get better? At, uh, probably not. It gets it's, good it's, at. It, it's it's a cool show. I mean, it's a cool story. All and and I understand why people like it. It's 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 one of those that. Um, I think that this is one of the few underdog stories with an OP protagonist. <laughs> and how that works, I don't know. But this is the you're literally watching it day, uh, week by week. So you're literally watching the underdog, the OP underdog that somehow is working. You're watching it as it goes. Um, so... As it is right now, I really liked the um, the production values. I think that it looks fantastic. The Swano is kind of kicking it when it ne needs to be kicked. Um, there, you you have the um, kind of balance between, like I said, the 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 underdog and the the um the OP character at the same time. And that balance is constantly you're still feeling that there's a weight to what he's dealing with. Whether you feel like he's OP or not, you still feel like he has a weight whenever he goes into these really what feel like dire situations. And he's, he's saying, no, I'm going to take this on because it's not as, as, as powerful as that dang statue. That's his, driving. <laughs> yeah, that's, his, that's his clarity that he has every single time is, but the statue, but so. the statues, like it, it's like <laughs> Joe, he has still got a lot of trauma for what happened, but not me, the statues. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing affects me. Like the statues does. I, I I agree with you. I do think that compared to a lot of OP main character shows, I think this one's doing it really well in the idea that it doesn't. It feels earned. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the best way to put it. It's like it's not. It's not that. It's not that it's a. Um, there, there's the light switch ones where it suddenly I was reborn and suddenly I'm OP and now I can say you know Shine and people die instantaneously. And there's the ones where it's kind of that slow build up into it. And I think it's kind of like. Uh, you know, not so much the middle, but towards the the that latter one more so, and the idea that it feels like he is, he's having to go through the efforts to get built up. It's not just given to him. 
but I will admit there is times where I kind of wonder like, okay, is he going to, is he going to, is he going to continuously struggle? Or is it always going to be, because it's nothing's been like the biggest struggle than he had when that, when he went to that secret dungeon, he went, when he went to that solo secret dungeon, that was like, yeah, it feels like he's having to kind of pull this stuff together. Even when he fought the snake, it's like, he's got, he's got to pull this together. And yes, technically the only kind of example we have beyond that is him one or breaking the, the barrier of the, the break dungeon boss that was out in the middle of the city and everybody's holding up their cameras to take pictures of it was stupid <laughs> society these days. Right. <laughs> and then yes, technically going into that one dungeon with that group and yeah. Soloing a, was it the C rank, which is requiring you to be basically a B rank to, yeah. <laughs> in order to fight it solo. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, I wonder if he's ever going to have like a challenge again, or if this is kind of it. Yes, he gets caught guard, and yes, he gets thrown down. Like, again, he gets blasted by one of the guys by, with magic. But even then, he was using, like, his, what the Manwa says, he was using his highest, like, full-power magic spell. And based on the Manwa again, it looks like it presumably took, like, half his HP away. Like, he was down, like, 1,300 from, like, 2,300. So he's still he's still getting knocked down, but I, I am kind of curious if it'll still have that good level of competition for him to kind of keep pushing him because the reason why I say that is because the way they've established him so far, which this could totally shift in the next episode. Um, what they've established so far is that Sung doesn't want to reveal that he's leveling quite yet because the concern that he has the moment that the public knows that he is essentially leveling up, he's going to come under scrutiny because again, how this world works is you awaken. That's the power you're given. You can help, you can, you can exercise your techniques and whatever, but your ability and your power itself, it, that's it. That's what you get. The idea of a reawakening, which is very rare, is that you reawaken and you get a new rank of power. Um, they thought that that's what happened, but they, like, they tested him and it's like, no, you're still like 10 mana, which is, God, that's awful. <laughs> so the question mark is if he touches the portal now, if, the, if he touches and gets tested now, what is he going to be? And if he does that, again, that will bring scrutiny upon him that he's technically getting powerful. He's getting more and more powerful. He's leveling up, which is, un which is unheard. So he's like, I don't really want to reveal that. Plus, he's not really sure if it's true. Like, he's not sure if this is actually working out at that time. He's like, I got to go test it out, which was, yes, his test was killing this spider solo. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, that was a good sign. But um, I'll be curious if, if he does end up getting, again, re-ranked, how that works out. How, how are they going to establish what his rank is? Because he's just, he's not normal. <laughs> Let's just be perfectly honest. He's not normal. How do you rank somebody that is literally leveling up? Um, so I'll be curious to see how that kind of plays out and how he gets technically challenged. Is he going to be able to do higher rank stuff? Is he ever going to be acknowledged for what he is? Um, or is he going to just be soloing bosses and I'm very dungeons? curious as to how far that they are going to push this. How, did you, did you hear how many cores they're going? I don't think they've specified yet. I I I'd I think assume they want to do. I would, I would assume they they want this to be their next sword art, where they just adapt the whole thing. Because sword they could get they could get done. they could get a, a a solid four cores out of this. I would venture a guess at. Um, if they push it really fast, they could pro they could do it in two cores. But four cores would be a good solid, breathable. Um, uh, going through the the story, but it, it is a fairly quick read. If, um, how many chapters did when you were looking at the manhwa? 
I think it was doing two or three per episode. No, I meant how many chapters total. Did you happen to notice? Oh, I think like 150. 150. So yeah, like I said, about about um, about four cores. So yeah, because um, yeah, it it did seem like it was burning through it pretty quickly when I was trying to side by side it. Yeah, I, I think my only kind of misgiving I have so far is one whoever's like laying out the storyboards sucks at cliffhangers because the. <laughs> The stopping points for each episode just feels so unsatisfying. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a good stopping point ever. I think the only time that's felt like a decent stopping point was this recent episode. Um, but like even the first episode, like the first episode, they they ha apparently did a premiere at like New York Comic Con or something like that for Solo Leveling, and they showed two episodes. And I was like, when I watched the first episode, I'm like. Yeah, I know why they did two episodes because the first episode sucked. Like it was, it was not a good episode to really kind of introduce you to the episode. The good stuff was in the second episode. I love the commandments and trying to figure it out and try to figure out how to stop the, each of the attacks and all that kind of stuff. That was the intriguing part, not not just stopping at them sitting in front of it and somebody got nuked with an a lie laser. <laughs> I was like, that's not even that interesting. So yeah, I'll, I'll be. Um, I have to admit they're not good stopping points, and I do I do get a little bit frustrated with a lot of the side stories. Like like they keep showing side characters, and it's like I just really don't care about whoever this person is with his sister. Complain about sort uh, hunters or whatever. It's like move on, and then suddenly we run into a you know the the hunters association leader, and he's practicing with this guy, and it's like I I really don't care. I I know that we're trying to imply the idea that hunters have to train at least practice fighting other people because yes eventually sometimes somebody will try to betray you in a dungeon so you need to know how to overcome them whatever so it's like i understand why they do a lot of the side stuff but at the same time it it feels like it's wasting a lot of our time in in regards to that so i don't know if it's that or if it's <laughs> because some of those characters are important later um and I don't remember them being in those specific places in that. And I don't know if they're just moving those moments around. They are um, because I'm not seeing it in the manhwa when I'm reading. Yeah, that's right that's but what again, I'm saying. This is this I think is supposed to be based off the novel. So, and that and that's what I'm saying is it. I don't know if it's necessarily that they because like it's like I'm saying is I don't remember them and and you're confirming you're not seeing them in the manhwa. So that would make sense that what they're doing is those are those are important characters that are later on in the show. So they're kind of like teases for us, the people who have completed the story. Um, and at the same time, they're using them as ways to kind of give baseline for important information that they the the store the the director or storyboarder is probably thinking that is important for you to know. Um, for instance, um, the, what he was saying, uh, as far as the fighting, um, and, and that people can do that in the, in there, you, when it kind of happens in the dungeon, you're kind of like, okay, that's an interesting thought that this could actually happen. What would, what would you do? I mean, how would you protect yourself if you're the quote unquote weakest one? Hey, I mean, that, that's kind of a crappy situation. 
Um, obviously he was able to turn the tables on, on those guys, but it's still, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that they're placing them in those moments because like I said, for, uh, some of us who know, we know who those characters are and why they are important later on. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, I don't know. I kind of give it a little bit of leeway on that. Like I said, I would assume it's just that it's the novel probably has those moments in it. Um, yeah, there is 200 chapters. They're doing four chapters per episode. So, yeah, it would probably have to be at least a four core. So. Yeah, I think it, it, it could comfortably fit into a four core, yeah. honestly. I just said that. <laughs> That's what I said. Unless, yeah. Like I, said I said it first. Unless so, huh. technically the not. No, I legit just said it because um, I did the math. I said it before you when I was going back said that in the first place. No, you said like two cores. I said that if they pushed it, they could put it into two cores. It would be bad. No. Yes. No. I said four cores. Um, <laughs> unless, again, technically, this is technically sourced off the novel. The novel has a lot of extra stuff that could be draw, drag it out more. So, Yeah, I, 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 I kind of need to go and look into the light novel and see how they how they're how that is feeling pace paced wise. Actually, it's web novel. Actually, it's web well, novel. Well, they they've got it. They've got they made it into an audible, so I could listen to it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, it's time for Chris's anime of the season, the Tank Boy. Tank Boy. Oh, gee. <laughs> Did you watch your Tank Boy? I'm a couple of episodes behind, but I'm fine. That's uh, it's a couple episodes more than me. Uh, do I even have an outline? <laughs> That's the, there's the question. There, I do have an outline. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, the strongest tanks, Labyrinth raids. A tank with a rare nine 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 resistance skill got kicked from the hero's party. Wap wap wap. Done by Studio Pollen. It's based on a light novel, and the genres are action, adventure, fantasy. And this one opens up with Rude. And Rude, as the title leads you to believe, gets kicked out of a party. I don't know if they ever imply it's a hero's party. He just gets kicked out of his party because he's, like, sucky. Like, he just, he constantly is, like, having to shield himself. And he's, like, running out of his defense too quick. And he's just not doing enough. So they're like, ah, peace out, Rude. You're the weakest link. Goodbye. Everybody pretty much follows him out. They're like, oh, no, it's not your fault, Rude. You're actually really good. But we're all going to follow him out the door. And then Rude basically is left alone. Ends up running into a homunculi named Luna. The homunculi has a very rare ability to see one's skills. It's identify. I'm telling you, yeah. identify is the most OP. Was skill. that where that joke came from? Uh, I've seen it before in other. Like even when I was editing the podcast last week, I'm like, I still have no idea what Chris is talking about. <laughs> he's really happy about that joke, and I have no idea what he's talking about. It, it, it's it, like I said, it's it's one of those that when you when you read a few of those web novels and stuff like that, it it, it comes up as a joke for some odd reason quite often. It, I don't know who started that joke, but it, <laughs> it is. So yeah, um, she uses her ability on him because he helps her out. So she thanks him by using it. Ends up discovering that, yes, he has this high tanking ability. And additionally, he has the ability to take damage from other people. Like, almost like a shielding way that he can apply to somebody. and also increases their attack. Um, and then, the kicker here was this one last ability that he had no idea about. Which was the ability to essentially take whatever damage he takes. 
and reflect it back on somebody. So if somebody hits him for like 2,000 of his defense, he's able to lash it back at them. Um, I don't think they implied how much of that damage. It's just he's able to reflect it back. So even like practice this by going doing somebody, and he's just shielding himself over and over again, and then he goes to hit the person, they just get one shot, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, he goes home um, to his his sister, who he thinks is the cutest thing ever. He's obsessed with his sister. Um, apparently when they were children, uh, his sister was diagnosed with a very bad illness and his entire family ditched him and he returned home. Um, even though they took him with them, he left them and came back to his sister to take care of his sister. And he's been trying to take care of her ever since then. And then, uh, yeah, Luna, uh, has a lot of trust issues, but eventually learns to like the town and, at the same time, his sister starts to worry that he she's holding him back. So that's that's about as far as I got. Thoughts or continuation? I think of the that story? we're pretty much in the same area. I don't think that um, I'm that much farther than you, because I may have seen one more episode where he, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really curious what you've seen. Like, <laughs> I think I've seen one yeah, more episode than that. Something happened. I don't. With I don't. <laughs> sister. Her her ohage wiggled a little too much. Because yeah, they was like you, you have to go out of your way to kind of point out the fact that she has this ohage thing on top of her head, and it's like yeah, it goes based on her emotions. So whenever she's happy, it's just wagging back and forth like a doggy, and it's like stop making this actually like part of her lore. <laughs> just just make it a quirk about her. It's just one of those things that it's, it just exists. Yeah, you don't have to point out the, the thing quirk. You, when the you quirk point, is there. When you point it out, it suddenly becomes like, okay, now you're starting to wonder about the actual anatomy of this girl. Is there actual <laughs> muscle tissue that attaches to it? And how does that is there tendons inside there and how does it retract and and all that is she a monster? See, just you is it's there just a quirk. Bone? In the, in, nobody's in the... <laughs> saying it has to be logical. Just don't point out that it's logical. I mean, technically, Luna is a homunculi that's able to have emotions, so we're not getting into crazy thought process here of realism. Realism. So the crystal—it's the heart. I'm obviously we all know this. Mm -hmm. um, no, I, I, I was enjoy I'm, I'm enjoying it uh, for what it is. It. Um, it the only thing that has been kind of intriguing that they've done so far is going into the skills, um, and kind of, and and that was surface level at best. It didn't seem like they were digging into it too much. I don't know if they're going to dig into it later, but as it stands right now, it's not. Outside of that, the kind of just introducing. Oh yes, now I remember what 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 else I got uh, in the next episode. Um, that was uh, the breaking up of the hero party per se, whatever. Um, so he's increased his um, his harem uh, at least four or five more girls. So yeah, it. it um, I've been enjoying it for what it is. It, it hasn't done anything outside of that that's much caught my interest yet. Um, so yeah, just generally enjoying it. I find it extremely boring. Uh, it doesn't look good. I mean, I, I kind of like Luna and her trust issues and a little bit of discrimination value there and her issues with seeing like the old, the old ladies like sitting there yelling at the kids to go back to work. And she's like getting like PTSD for them telling these poor kids to basically work these homunculi. And 
yes, her fear is that once they like the sister, if you realize that she's a monkey life, she's going to like not like her anymore. There was a, a little bit of sweet stuff there, but I don't find rude that interesting of a character. Like I said, it doesn't look great and it's not really doing enough so far. That's going to be catching my attention. So that's why I didn't finish watching much of it. I'm like, okay, that's, I, I, I kind of assumed coming into it, it probably is not going to be my amongst a season that has a lot of shows that it's going to be taking my attention. That's really the thing of it is just, this isn't doing enough to warrant over something else is really what it comes down to. So yeah, it, it's not that it's a bad show. It's just, I don't have time. And these other shows got my attention this is really what it comes down to. So I just went, okay, I got, I got my feel it not doing enough. Good. Yeah. And, and that, and that's pretty much how it is for me. I mean, I I'm enjoying it enough to continue watching it, but as it stands right now, it hasn't done anything spectacular that, that I go, wait, this is noteworthy. Something to talk about. No, I, I, like I said, the skill system didn't seem to, it doesn't seem like the storyteller wants to focus on the skills. It wants to focus on the quote unquote harem, if you want to call it that. Yeah, it's like a it's like a fluffy harem version of it's a fluffy harem generic harem uh budget quality version well, I wouldn't say that lately, uh, a version of <laughs> Shield Hero <laughs> with all the angsty anger and stuff. He's just a, a a jolly guy with a massive shield instead of a edge boy that's been betrayed by society. He just wants to. He just wants to shield people. That's it. Uh, the strongest tanks, labyrinth raids. There you go. Uh, Isekai Onsen Paradise. Did you get a chance to watch Isekai Onsen mm -mm. Paradise? You didn't. No. It's like three minutes long, Chris. <laughs> I know. Let's, let's watch it really quickly. Um, there's not much to say here. Uh, Pioneer log of story to hot springs, alternative world springs, the reincarnation destination of an onsen fan who is around 40, was a relaxing hot spring paradise. Or meito isekai no yu kaitoku ki arafo onsen mania tensei saki wa nonbiri onsen tengoku deshita. The only reason I said the whole title is because it's probably the only way you're gonna be able to find it is by searching that title. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wolfsbane and Blooms worked on this one based on a light novel, Echi Fantasy, and this one opens up with Kozo Yukawa, who he was essentially trying to help uh, save this countryside village by finding a very rare, trying to find an onsen or a hot spring so that he can help the town be able to get tourism by having an onsen. So he's looking up in these mountains, trying to find where it's at. He can feel it since it knows it. He's like a maniac for onsens. And as he's trying to climb around this conveniently, there's a bunch of chains kind of laid out in the mountainside so that he can climb. I'm not sure why there's chains there, but then at some point he falls and then he awakens up inside of a fantasy world. Did he at least, at least leave a, a, a stake or something to tell him, Hey, it's here. Did he at least leave a stake so that the town would survive, even though he's dead? I don't know. He didn't put a flag, nothing? Oh, he didn't find it. He died before he got to <sighs> it. 
I mean, unless he fell he in should have at least he signal it with his dead that, body. That might so be he it. Just go where the smell is. That might be it. There <laughs> just, you go. Where's the where's the smell of rotting flesh coming from? Oh, that's got to be where the onsen is. Uh, just don't tell anybody the story about how it was found. Anyways, um, yeah. So now he's in this other world. He immediately runs into Mayodama, who is somebody that is claiming to have been sent by the goddess to be his guide. And she is. She looks like a fox spirit, like a kitsune, but she technically is like one of those. Um, she was at this prayer altar, like these dongo kind of things, and then she likes the appearance of the fox spirit, so she takes upon herself the appearance of that. So she's not actually a fox spirit. But yeah, he quickly uh, yells at her because she's at the moment standing in the middle of the onsen with all of her clothes on. He says, it's bad manners to be in an onsen with your clothes on. So he yells, she yells at her. He yells at her, get your clothes off. So she eventually decides to do that and then enjoys the hot spring with him. And then suddenly an elf appears out of nowhere. She apparently was coming there to investigate the hot springs because her tribe, the elves, think that the onsens are actually like the hot springs themselves are like cursed water and so she was coming there to you know observe it before she went back and reported to the village and sees them in there and so she assumes that you know myodama is a demon because she's sitting literally in cursed water and he's a pervert basically because he's yelling at her to take his clothes off and yes he he tells her take your clothes off and get in the onsen so she does it otherwise he says take your clothes off and get in the onsen or I'm gonna, you're going to get executed. So she does it. And then she's upset because now she's in cursed water naked. And then her sister shows up and she goes, is it true that it's not cursed water? He's like, yeah, it's from nature. It's good water. Now get your clothes off. So that's <laughs> basically Pioneer Lock Stories of Hot Springs is take your clothes off the animation. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to... As much as I love dumb, etchy shows and... And and anime in general and manga and whatnot, giving the uh, I don't give a crap about anybody else. We're gonna do what we're gonna do, and we're gonna make a story about a forty-year-old something in an onsen in an isekai world with a bunch of cute anime girls who take their clothes off. As much as I want to say great stuff, just because of that, it's amazing. There's not much here. <laughs> this is just not much here. Um, I I pretty much put this in the category of. A very bare, basic minimum advertisement for a light novel. Um, I'm, I would assume the light novel probably has a lot more going for it. It's probably going to be more about jokes about onsens and being obsessed with onsens and all the integral details of enjoying a hot springs and what it can do. Because every now and then he'll get into like the nerdy stuff, like saying, "Oh yeah, the water's this color because it's got a high concentration of sulfur and blah 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 blah." Um, it helps beautify the skin and and makes you look beautiful or healthier. It gets in that every now and then, but for the majority of the part, it's kind of just getting into yes, take your clothes off, get in the water, uh, you know, jokingly lying at Lilium in order to get her flustered. So she stands up out of the water before they say you know you're showing everything, and she dropped back down, and then they would lie to her again, so she jumps back up and tease her again, so that she shows herself again, and then she hides herself again. There's like like a joke here or there like that, but. For the most part, it's just it's just not much here, and it it's only like a three minute at most per episode because like a minute is to the opening, and so I technically only have really kind of like twelve episodes to work with. But um, its biggest flaw probably is that we all know what we're coming here for. Let's let's be, let's get real. 
what are we coming here for? Elf ears. Cute anime girls in a, in a hot springs. Uh, it's not the elf ears? I mean, if it's your thing, go for it. Um, <laughs> you're coming here for the ecchi. You're coming here for the uncensored version, obviously. You're coming here for seeing cute anime girls in a hot spring. Now, if you are trying to find this show, the only way you're going to get it is through uh, Yo Ho Ho uh, Pirate's Life for Me. You're going to be you're going to be going to the sail, the sailing the seven seas. Uh, the problem is, is that only for like the first two episodes they have the uncensored version. It seems like from three onward. They stopped broadcasting this, the uncensored version. So even in Japan, it seemed like at some point they just started censoring it. So there's no uncensored version available. And it's like, well, if you're coming here for the lewds and the lewds are no longer uncensored, it's like, what's the point in even watching? Even, even, even with the uncensored version, they were still like heavily censoring the bottom half. So you were really only getting, you know, some little dots on the chest. So it's like, even even as an etchy show, it's not working. <laughs> uh, because even with, on top of that, the show doesn't look good. Like, it's a, it's a very bare minimum budget. Which goes along with the very short time length of every episode. Which goes to the idea of it just being a very budget, poorly presented, put together advertisement for the source material, I guess. So... Like, everything besides, like, my initial joke that I got a chuckle out of, which is that this show is literally about a 40-something-year-old that she yells at cute anime girls to take their clothes off every two seconds. It doesn't have anything going for it. And that's the sad reality that this series has going for it, sir, or is is presenting me. Um, The only thing that I was able to kind of get a decent, like, you should watch this reason was if you're a Rusia fan of the V2 Rusia, the the elf is Rusia voice. So if you want to hear Rusia be yelled at by a 40 or something year old, take her clothes off. Have at it. She's like in the third episode, I think. So there you go. Check it out if you want. I I would not. It's, it's one of the sad realities of like, I just wouldn't even bother telling people to go out of their way to go after it. It's just, it's not doing enough to like say man but i gotta it was that third episode that was hilarious i don't have anything i literally have <laughs> nothing to give you i have nothing for you i can do nothing for you um it honestly is a disappointment um i would have liked this to have gotten a full length instead of like ponomichi or something like that because both of them didn't didn't get licensed so i rather, rather have this one but <laughs> not if it's going to be the quality that it's doing. And like I said, I'm kind of curious at this point what the light novel has to offer. If, it, if it's just this, is the light novel this bare bones is a question mark, I guess. I doubt it. So it's probably geeky as hell. It's probably like, I would imagine like vending machine sekai levels, like just that geek, like obsession of something with the sekai. Tis time for torture. Princess. We haven't done that one yet, right? I don't, I don't know why I feel so. like we've done that. Maybe we just talked Seems about like it. Seems like maybe we did. You might be right. Double checking. Where the hell did we talk about it? Because I feel like we've talked about it and it's not in the list. I don't know. Maybe somebody will, somebody will yell at us if we did. Tis time for torture, princess. Yeah, because you said that it was it repeated the same joke. You, ta you talked about that and I... And you what? 
What did I say? See, that's there's the problem. I think you're you're recalling what I've talked about it on a video, and I don't think you've ever had to talk about it. So I don't think hmm. I don't think we have. Okay. Let's do it. This is the problem that comes up with the Andrew doing video content every now and then whenever Chris comes in here is like, I know that we we've discussed it outside of the podcast, but anyways, I, know we, I know we have. Hime sama gorman no jikan desu. This one's uh, on Crunchyroll, done by uh, Studio Pine Jam. The sources of manga, comedy, fantasy. Uh, maybe it was pro- it was probably when we were doing the music podcast is when we talked about it a little bit. I think I think we got a little sidetracked with some reviewing. You in were there. joking joking about the fact that it was repeated. Yeah, that's right. Because that yeah, the 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 OP itself literally has the joke of it repeating itself mm. over and over again. Okay. Anyways, uh, we figured it out. But yeah, this one opens up with. Uh, this war happening between the demon king and the humans and it focuses on Hime who is like the humans savior she's like super powerful she's like uh princess connect pekorin like levels of like excalibur saber version just like just nuking things the powerful attack and uh it doesn't say how but she gets <laughs> apparently she gets a, we don't know how but she does <laughs> it just cuts over and she's in a prison with her sword at her side apparently they want her to have her sword at her side apparently she can't use it while it's sitting there waiting for her to use it uh but yeah at that point the demon king mao says all right send the torturer to torture information out of her so they send torture torturer and torture torturer goes in there Walks up to the princess, says, or Hemane says, look, we're going to get information out of you, whether you like it or not, you're going to talk. And then this, this goofy looking dude, like, brings in this massive, like, uh, what do they call it? The Iron, Iron Maiden? No, it's not Iron Maiden. What's it it's an Iron it's Maiden. It's an Iron Maiden. Yeah, Iron Maiden opens it up and there's bread in there. And they're torturing her with the bread and the smell of the bread. And she talks. Even though even though her trusty sword's literally going, you guys, it's Hime. She's a battle-warned. She's trained her whole life. Like, she literally couldn't play with her friends. She was stuck training her entire life. She's been through battles. She's been double-crossed. All this stuff. She's not going to... She she falls for it. She literally confesses everything. And this turns into, essentially, torture, torture, bringing different individuals to come in to torture... He may uh, X saying you can't. It's, it's never going to happen. She's she's battle worn, and then she confesses information like a secret weapon location, the secret codes of the secret weapon, the queen's shoe size, shoes size, um, a bunch of different stuff. And yeah, and eventually, yeah, the demon king himself, his daughter, decides to try out her methods of crunching bubble wrap. And they send this beast lady with her her little cub. And then like these two others with their video gaming. Then they go to the they go to a festival together. And, no, he says if you want to go to the festival, you have to tell us information. So she tells gives the information so she can go to the festival. And then they go out and they have fun at a river. And then yeah, that's that's it so far. What's your thoughts? Torture torture even even tortured the the demon king. Oh yeah, that's right. The Biru. The Biru. <laughs> I I I love the show. I I have had a blast. I did not expect I would like this show, and for whatever reason, it works for me. I'm I'm not gonna say it's like, uh, it's the, no Sleepy Princess. Just say it, Chris. No, it's not. It's, it's not no Sleepy, Sleepy Princess. Princess. But it's, I it's it's animation is hella better than Sleepy Princess. <laughs> that's for sure. But I am having a blast with this this show. I I. 
every once in a while there's just something that just quirks in just the right way and i just laugh too much um and other times i'm like okay move on let's get to the next skit because the next skit's gonna work better obviously um it's 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 not enough to say hit and miss because i hit and miss kind of implies that this joke will work this joke doesn't work sometimes i will get this like like andrew had talked about the the um the demon king's uh daughter i was rolling that entire uh, that entire part it was too funny that might be um, scary for your dogs probably <laughs> like, um I just, I just immediately have this mental image of three wiener dogs just kind of <laughs> dancing around him going what's wrong dad and he's just going around going this is great Dad, what's wrong? Ruff, ruff. <laughs> um, no, I I do actually have uh, the 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 girls will actually come up to the 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 chair and they'll all kind of like put their paws up on the side. Are you okay? Every time I laugh, they it's it's the that's right. Thing. Every time I record a video, Yuki's staring at me like you're going nuts, aren't you? It's like I'm talking. Th- Mom, I'm I'm doing my podcast thing. It, no, they're real. The people on the internet are real people. They're actually watching my content. I am a, I am a professional mom. Yeah. Yuki's just looking at me like judgmentally. Dad's but, gone crazy. <laughs> Daddy it. went nuts. Are you okay, Papa? Are you okay? There's that one time I got under his feet and tripped him and he hit his head and he's gone nuts. I did it. That's my fault. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, I've, I've had a blast with this show. It's, it's just, it's just nuts. Um, I, 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 the, the, the demon, the demon King in particular, that it was so stupid. I knew it was coming. Um, but I, I didn't know what his, his reveal was or what his confession was going to be, but it's just worked so good. Uh, my weakness is light. (laughs) <laughs> but it works so perfectly i loved it um yeah I, I i've had a blast with this show it's great i will say pine jam chill out <laughs> i was like the the one thing i'll give this show without a single shred of negativity is this show looks way too good like i don't know if maybe somebody's throwing some massive budget on this to sell the manga or if Pine Jams just randomly decided to flex because the show just looks way too good and way too well animated. I mean, I I was when I came into the show, I was like, okay, they're just they're just going crazy because the Hime's outside of the dungeon. So obviously they're gonna get really crazy with their animation, fighting the Demon King's army and stuff. So yeah, go crazy. And then I'm sure the rest of the show is gonna be them in a plain looking room and just shenanigans and comedy from that. No, it's like even beyond the Princess Connect levels of crazy animation and super chop explosions and stuff with the battle itself, it's it even still recalls over time those battles and shows those animations and stuff. But like just the character expressions and everything, just being in that room, it's like, chill out. Like, is, stop. It looks too good. It shouldn't look this good. Like, they just go crazy with the animation and... Yeah, torture, torture, just being like super close ups and detail with her moving her hair behind her behind her ear as she takes a, a bite at some soup or something <laughs> like that. Or it's just it it looks too good. Like visually, the show it should not be. And that was kind of going to my joke that I made to some people, and I think I made it in my video. Is like 
I almost wish that this animation quality would go to somebody else because I, I kind of don't want it here because I, I laugh at typically with most of the introductions of the characters, but then it gets into this repetitive state that it's like, I kind of hate how this animation quality is being wasted here. Um, that said, I, I want to like this show because of that, like, because it looks so good. The characters are, are cute and fun and, and, and interesting are not interesting, but just cute and fun. Um, but it doesn't have enough for me to really kind of chew on because what'll happen is, and I mean, to the, what I've been kind of been saying is there's a formula here. Somebody comes in, it's time for torture princess. And then they present the thing. And then Exel sit there and go on how he may will not tell you the information she is because this is why she's so hardened. And then they will present the thing. And then, cut scenes and it says he may has give the information and she's enjoying some food or whatever. And then does that over and over and over and over and over again. Now, what sort of hits me every now and then with some laughs is that when they will, it's whenever they present a character, the first time they introduced Mau Mau loved it. The first time they introduced the, the beast girl with her little cub loved it. Not so much the gamer girls, but typically with a, an introduction of a new character, a new torturer i get a kick out of it but it's like after that first introduction it just doesn't it doesn't work beyond then it it never it never gets me i mean yeah i got a little bit of a smile out of mao mao showing up again and yes mao's enjoyment of framing whatever she gets <laughs> out of it like literally they go mao mao succeeded here's the information that he, uh, they got out of hime and then he literally goes oh the it's the codes for the secret weapon but you can't have it i'm gonna frame this and then puts it up in his room it's like Nobody can use the, the codes for the secret weapon they got out of Mama or Hime because Mama got it and wrote it down on a piece of paper. So her father literally doesn't want to, he wants to frame it and leave it to himself. Like this is the first time my daughter ever got information out of an enemy. I'm going to frame this. Um, it's got like the little, the little chuckles and smiles in there throughout the series. It's just like even with X and them just basically making him be the one that confessed next. And it's like, I, I kind of knew what they were going to do. I just, I just wasn't that funny. So I'm just like, okay, the next joke, hopefully the next one does it. So it looks incredible. I love the animation. I think the character designs and stuff are fantastic. It's just, it doesn't have enough for me to keep me laughing. It's just, it's just the, maybe a one laugh per introduction of a character. And then beyond then most of the episodes have been basically shrugged for me. Um, yeah, like I said before, I, I, I think the, the thing that kind of drove me to watch the show was the fact that people were saying it's sort of like sleepy princess, which I kind of agree, but it's kind of a reverse sleepy princess because for those that have watched sleepy princess and are interested in this show, just think of it being less about the absurdity of, you know, the princess herself going out and doing stuff, but it's the reverse and the idea that the absurdity is really in the demon Lord's army and their minions coming in there with their own quirks. And that doesn't really work too much because it's so secluded in that chamber. Yes. They go outside of it. They go to the, you know, the river, they go to the park, but it's mostly in that chamber. Whereas I think uh, Sleepy Princess kind of kept it mixed up well enough in the idea that she keeps going around and it's the reaction of people around her and these new mm -hmm. individuals are introducing. Um, I, I definitely think if you like Sleepy Princess, definitely try it. 
But I think if you like this, definitely give Sophie Princess uh, a shot as well. I, so. I, I would say that too. I, I, like I, it's like it's like a once you're done with this and you're like, I need another show. Keep Sleepy Princess on your line because you're you're probably gonna like that show too. So. Yeah, it's 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 definitely Sleepy Princess is definitely at least three notches higher than this. I I definitely enjoy this show. I love Sweet Sleepy Princess ten times more. I it's it's this has got it's a flavor that I do kind of like. I I in a way I kind of agree with you on the reverse of it. Um, it is definitely more along the lines of the where you have um the the princess going out and everybody's reacting to whatever the princess is doing where this one is kind of the you're reacting to them trying to do something to the princess which is kind of different in a different way so take that for what it is i i like i said it's 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 i like it are you sure Mm -hmm. all right we're going long but let's try to get one more in uh metallic rouge did you give metallic rouge a chance did not not going to i didn't get far into it so this might be a pretty quick one but uh where is it in my list it, it's probably the big the big one that i think a lot of a few people were excited for because it was a bones original yeah bones original and yeah i'm not sure <laughs> It's by the director Motonobu uh, Hori, who did Super Crooks and Cure on Tuesday, which was definitely, I think, the originally, like, one of the things that was like, all right, I'm Radar, because Super Crooks, not so much, but definitely Cure on Tuesday, I was a big fan of. Um, but I think the thing that had me putting a lot of pause to it was the writers, which we had, like, the writer behind Rexaphon and script work for Battle Yamada 2199, and the other one did Macross Delta writing. So it's like, okay... We'll see. Uh, but essentially opens up in a futuristic world. We have like Mars and stuff like that. Man- mankind's living alongside people known as uh, Neens, which Neens are seemingly androids, robots. Uh, it kind of later on gets into this story, which I don't know if they're really kind of claiming as an actual real story or if it's just like a folktale. But at some point, aliens showed up and the aliens gave to mankind the Neens, which again, are supposed to be these android humanoid things. And, or just straight up androids. I don't think they have implied they're humanoids. These androids. And the androids work out well. They're mostly kind of used for labor and stuff like that. They are seen as less than humans in most regards. They cannot survive unless on a regular basis they get an injection of a a, a liquid called nectar. So they kind of inject it into a a port and it feels their body. Kind of, it's almost like just like a recharge of their battery. Um, but there is in this whole setting at the time that we jump into it, the existence of a group known as the moral nine, which are this group of means that are doing bad stuff. And why I mean bad is because it sort of goes in that whole, like the rules of the robots kind of thing where the robots cannot harm humans or whatever. They're killing humans. (laughs) They're, they're, they're doing nasty. They're doing bad things. They're doing crimes and stuff. So we follow Roge, who is working for this organization that is trying to find the Immortal Nine and take him down. And she has her partner, which is Naomi. Most of the time at the very beginning, she's communicating to Naomi through this bird that Naomi controls while she's doing information searching on the side. Eventually, they'll meet each other face to face. But yeah, Roge is seemingly one of these needs because she has to do the injection on a regular basis to recharge herself. And yeah, Roge is going around 
fighting and taking down the bad guys. Um, at some point, they, they at first they take down Sarah, who is one of these individuals, and then they go to this other location where they end up starting getting into a group of sort of names that are trying to essentially get rights equal to the humans. And so there's like this underbelly, this under organization of names that are trying to uprise and get rights to themselves. And their leader ends up getting assassinated and they almost pin it on Roge. And then this big festival thing shows up. This big uh, airship with like carnival music shows up. And that's about as far as I watched. So yeah. Um, my thoughts on Metallic Roge. I, I, I like the setting. I think visually, the style and everything, just they're doing a good job of capturing like what, what a good explanation here is cyberpunk edge runners nailed the aesthetic of cyberpunk just nailed it like you, you it felt like it oozed that style it oozed the it had an, it had that feel of the environment like you when you're watching it you feel like this is a real environment like it really exists it just it's it's immersive essentially and metallic rose is like a very surface level of that. Like it still captures it. It's got that style and it's got that feeling. It's got the aesthetic. Um, it feels like the characters are actually in like this futuristic setting. Um, it kind of goes right to the same credit of this director has done before, which is Carol Tuesday. Carol and Tuesday did a really good job of capturing that aesthetic as well. Not super futuristic, but not more like just kind of the setting being like almost like just a, a, a close distant a close future essentially not too far no distant future and we're not getting crazy like you know cars driving off into space or whatever a, a close future and i think this is nailing it well enough it's got the style it's got the music uh the music's fantastic um especially the vocals whenever they get into the battle sequences i love vocals in my music and they're doing all that stuff as well i like the characters so far i sort of like kind of like Roj and Naomi's chemistry. It's not great, but it, it's decent enough. The problem comes into the story arcs themselves. Um, they they have recently started getting into multiple episodes per story arc. But early on, it felt very episodic in the idea that it's like, okay, the first episode is introduce. Roj is working undercover to figure out if this singer, Viola, is a baddie. And very quickly, we find out that Viola is a baddie. And Rose was working undercover as like a uh, somebody that Viola brought in to take care of her. And she double crosses her and kills her. As like, I, I feel like I'm supposed to feel bad about this decision because she's essentially been tricking Viola as working undercover as this random street kid that she brought in to take care of. And then she kills her. But I don't, didn't get enough time to care because it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Viola was trying to get away from the baddies, like the bad organization that she was working for. She wanted to she wanted to stop being a bad person and become a singer. But I don't care because it was only an episode worth of time to really care. Um, and it kind of feels that way going forward. It just feels like these very short stories that I just don't really get any investment into the characters whatsoever. I don't get enough time to really kind of breathe in the story and the characters and what they're going through. It kind of just turns into a really well-produced, like, Super Sentai series. Like, it's the present the bad guy, um, have a little bit of conflict, and then at the, at the end of it, the bad guy gets revealed as being this bad guy, and then she transforms into her Super Sentai form, and she beats him up. Plus, 
playing really good music <laughs> while playing really good music at the same time. Um, there was a couple sequences that I really liked, like the when they were traveling and they end up running into like this graveyard of robots from the past war, which again, the, the something I didn't get into. The names were given to the humans by the aliens to fight this other threat. And so there is lots of remnants in the in this planet of the war itself. So you got like these really crazy like spider-ish type of mecha robots that suddenly activate and start attacking them. And then she's got to take them down. Um, there's some really good fight sequences. And it's visually looks really, really good. It's just I don't. In the end, I just don't really care about the characters. I don't think they're doing well enough with Roj and Naomi to get me, like, super invested in them as characters. And each of the individual stories just aren't really doing much for me. So it's kind of the culmination of so much stuff that just isn't really clicking so far to keep my interest that much. So, which sucks because I kind of want to like it. Like, it, it does kind of have a little bit of a, a I guess, a, it's got a charm there that I think could work. Like by all accounts, it should work visually and, and setting wise and like Rose's character and Naomi's character should all work, but it just doesn't quite work in the end. So there you go. That's um, yeah. The Asimov, the Asimov code. That's their, that's their, what, what they usually call it. Like iRobots and stuff like that. It's just the, the three rules or whatever, or the, the code. There's a name for it. I always forget what they always call it. It's not Asimov code, though. <laughs> like, they gave it its own name in this one. Anyways, yeah, that's that's uh, that's Metallic Rouge. Check that out if that's interesting to you. But yeah, that's... I think we'll call it there. We're going long. I think we talked a lot about a couple of these shows, so it ended up kind of dragging it out, but it is what it is. Uh, we have a ton left, so... I don't know, maybe next week we're going to have to double time it. Um, we still have Foolish Angel Dances with the Devil, uh, Dr. Elise, Delicious in Dungeon, Sengoku Yoku, that definitely, t did you see my, my, uh, clip of Sengoku Yoku? They have a, they have an Orsted character. Oh yeah? There's two shows this season that have Orsted characters. There you go. We have, uh, Werble from, from Farron. He's got like the whole... <laughs> He's got like Orsage jacket on. He's a faker. Um, but they have uh, Sengoku Yoku definitely feels like that was that's that seems like that's intentionally supposed to be an Orsage character. <laughs> but he had a great intro though. I I was kind of fearing Sengoku Yoku and that happened. I was like, okay, this, we're getting good now. Uh, anyways, uh, Brave Bra Bang Brave Bravern. Did you see my video on that yet? Not going to. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I, 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 I meant. I'll probably watch your video. I, w I won't watch the show. I don't know. It's like, I I, I know you're not going to like it, but it's like, it's so weird, though. <laughs> I kind of want to. No, um, I'm not in, going to. Witch and the Beast, Weakest Tamer, Urusa Yatsura, which is going to be a second season, so it's not what we're going to talk about there. Buchigiri, uh, Snack Basue, uh, Tsukimichi 2, and Hokkaido Gals. So I don't think we'll be like a super long next week because we're I have like three sequels in there. So we'll see. But anyways, that's it for now. Again, we're at talkspare.com. That's where you can go for our links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us, ways to support us, including Patreon tips, links, and all that kind of stuff. Greatly, greatly appreciate you guys' support. We also have, if you're on YouTube, watching this on YouTube, we have, of course, super thanks and memberships there. So 
yeah, with all that said, until next time, hope you guys enjoyed. Y'all take care. Oh,